Good afternoon, everyone. How are you guys doing? What's going on? Welcome to episode 16 of Merchants of Novigrad, a bi-weekly podcast where we discuss everything went today with me. And for the first time on this show, my good friend, Hesser. And as hey you guys, guys can see, we have not one but two very fun and creative guests. Trovnat, representing Team Elderblood and a longtime friend of mine, Weevil of Team Band the Gang. How are you guys doing? What's going on? Hmm. Great. Not too, not too bad, yeah. Before we get into nice it... Self-isolation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th I think it's a problem for everyone right now. But before we get into it, a couple of words to our viewers. Guys, um, if you have any questions, you can ask them in chat. We'll try to pick the more interesting ones and we'll try to answer them as we go. If you'd like to stay uh, in touch also off-stream, you can follow us on Twitter at Podcast and if Spotify or YouTube our places where you would rather watch or listen to this episode is going to be uploaded onto these platforms uh, in a few hours after the live stream. So with that being said, I think we can move to the first segment of the podcast, which is what have been up to. And as you guys can imagine, Corona is going to be the number one topic here. So still sane? Kind of, yeah. Um, <laughs> relatively. <laughs> Thankfully, I get to work from home, so it's... I can't. To do. Uh, really? Um, as a matter of fact, I, I'm going to talk about it in a moment. But first, I want to I wanna hear how you guys are doing in these difficult times. So let's start, let's start with Weevil. You, because you were only talking about working from home. How are things, buddy? Yeah. So I'm fortunate in that I picked up the, the, the position that I currently have right before um, the first cases were reported in China. So it's basically right after everything kicked off. Um, but no long, no more than six weeks after that, uh, our company, which is an Indian company, announced a kind of a worldwide declaration for all their offices that until something like, I think it's the middle of May, we basically all be working from home. Um, but in a, in a funny kind of way, I've been preparing for this hermit like state, you know, for the last two years by doing streams. <laughs> so, um, it's kind of like uh, like a blessing in disguise because I actually get to focus on all kinds of like projects and other. I get to read more. I get to do all kinds of things I never had time to do. Um, I only go out at night, which sounds a little creepy, but uh, <laughs> as does. a lot of my friends will tell you, I do tend to go for walks late at night anyway because I I just it's more peaceful or whatever. But I have a routine. I'm sticking to it, and uh, so far so good. It's it's going it's going pretty well. Obviously, there is that kind of thing of just like not having people to hang out with except you know like the people who are like literally right beside you but like um but there's nothing we can do and in a, in a curious kind of way we're all sharing the same burden even though we're distant from each other so there's kind of that feeling of solidarity or whatever so yeah so i'm doing good <laughs> that, that's good to hear because I'm, I'm pretty sure that not everyone can say that at the moment but we'll talk about that uh um in a bit uh Trollnet. Well, to me, the situation hasn't really changed all that much because I've been working from home uh, for four years now, almost, as an, uh, oh, wow. an iOS developer and a project manager, um, which I've been really grateful to, to our company that we can actually do that most of the time. Um, a few years back, I, I also got the role of project manager, which caused me to move around a little bit towards customers and stuff like that. But it's really weird to see everybody around me changing their schedule and 
having to adjust to a new lifestyle or complaining about being at home all the time while I've been doing that for years now. Um, <laughs> it is, of course, a little bit different because I can't go to my friends anymore and stuff like that. You can't Wait, do you have friends? Anymore. Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, and it's it's actually a little bit harder to, to work as well because my neighbors are home constantly with their, their child screaming at the top of their lungs constantly. My fiance is is is... Well, luckily she works at the, luckily, that's that's the, the wrong way to put it. She works at the hospital, so she also still works. Uh, so we're not constantly interrupting each other's work as well. But of course, she has then the downside of being uh, in, in close contact with some of the corona patients sometimes. Um, so we do check our temperature every, every day just to make sure that uh, nothing happened uh, in the hospital. Mm -hmm. uh, but other than that, it's basically schedule as normal. Uh, I even have a little less time than usual to make content just because of the extra work and the fact that I just have more more contact with my fiance right now. We spend more time together. Um, but other than that, we're doing fine. Yeah, I was actually wondering because you said your, your um, fiance is working in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Are you constantly thinking about the possibility of getting corona through her? Because she's um, in a certain environment that's more exposed than 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 others. Yeah, it's uh, especially because she's um, she's always in close contact with with uh, patients that have respiratory problems in general. So that's all that's already the the, the risk group that she's in, in contact with. Um, but after we've been in, in quarantine for four weeks, five weeks now, you kind of forget about it and just. Make sure you always wash your hands and stuff like that, but we don't really change our interaction between between the two of us um, just because of that. Because, I mean, if it happens, it's going to happen. It's, I mean, it's your partner, so you get really... <laughs> you sleep together, you work together, you, you dinner together. It's just... Yeah, so there's no, no way around it. No. I, I mean, that would be... Yeah, trying to, to, to fight against the, the ocean, basically, and <laughs> not going to... We just forget about it and, and try, try to limit our contact, of course, with our neighbors and stuff like that. But between each other, no. Yeah. And she exactly knows what to do. So that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's probably one of the better informed people uh, around here. So Yeah. yeah. And Hesser, do you know what to do? Well, I'm trying to know what to do. But actually, in the recent few weeks were kind of hard. Uh, I obviously moved some of the business uh, online, but it was difficult. A lot of people, I'm, I'm running actually my own business, my own business, and um, I'm teaching languages and translating. And some of the, the translating part was actually easy to move online, right? But teaching languages, most of the people were like the stationary uh, students. So that was more difficult. I, and some of them wanted to continue online, but some of them didn't, obviously. They didn't have the possibilities like you know equipment wise uh, or they just don't like it so yeah that was kind of difficult but well i'm managing still alive <laughs> mm -hmm. well we can see that you are still alive and that's a good thing because uh you know sometimes i i had this idea um, he's not replying to my messages i hope he's all right <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah speaking of the corona situation i work in supply chain so i i have to still physically show up at the facility and uh, right now two of my colleagues have been diagnosed with corona so uh, 
I'm by default I'm part of the risk group because um I've been in contact with people who um are now confirmed cases. But this is bas basically um the same as in in your case, Trovnet. We we know that it happened. We know mm -hmm. what the risks risks are, but we we have to do our work anyway. We just go on about li our, our lives, hoping that we are not gonna get it, and that if we get it, we are gonna get proper help. Yeah. But sometimes in you know in, in the back of your head, you think, well. When when it, when it started, there was like no notion of anyone having it, and then a couple of weeks later, first person in, in the company got it, and then you know second person in the company got it. Even though when I started working there, and that was basically the first week of um the outbreak in Italy, and my boss got back from Italy from northern Italy in that week, so um I, I would say that was the moment of panic because mm -hmm. people started to read about coronavirus about about the outbreak in Europe. And we know when the boss got back, everyone was like, oh my God, have you been tested? Are you okay? How are you feeling? And then, you know, for four weeks, nothing really happened. And I know for a fact that um, my mom, that the first colleague who got it actually got it somewhere else because he stopped working because he was so afraid of um, getting infected at the workplace. He decided to do some work from home and for the rest part, just take, take a leave. And he got it somewhere else. He got, you know, a few weeks later, after he was self-quarantined, he got coronavirus. So um, <laughs> I would say nobody's really panicking at the moment. That the moment of panic was 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 somewhere in March. But we we think about it, and you know, yeah. some of my colleagues are, are are like somehow managed to cope with it with the fact that we know people who have it, and 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 others. Others are, are clearly in a panic mode. They, they they keep talking about that. They keep talking about potential consequences or their the, you know underlying health issues and about how difficult it would be to mm -hmm. you know um, be at home and, and stay with their partner and children and you know what are the risks risks of, of, of getting them infected. So you you really need to to choose the people you are working with on a particular day because you don't want to hear about it. <laughs> I was yeah, being constantly reminded. Yeah, of, exactly. Of well, my my next door neighbor was diagnosed with coronavirus, um, and I'm still okay. So, uh, I haven't. I've only left my house, as I say, at nighttime after half ten at night for the last three and a half weeks. Um, so thankfully, I'm okay. But you you've been doing doing that for a long time, and I I was always eager to ask why, why not during the day. Because you always, I, yeah. I remember you always went on your walks um, yeah. during the evening or, or at night after the stream. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's pretty much because I like the peace and quiet and there's just something about, I don't know, there's just something about the nighttime that I really like. Like nobody's around and it allows me to kind of allow my thoughts to settle and actually... I feel like I need to be out for at least an hour to act, to properly quiet my mind. So no matter what I was doing before, if if I if I go out for a certain, it, it's like you 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 actually detach from yourself because there's a part of yourself that's attached to your home and where you live and all of the worries and everything else that goes with it. When you're far enough away from it, you're able to properly detach from it. I don't know. The daytime is nice too, but there's a there's a particular a specific reason why I tend not to go out during the day, uh, which is because I had this surgery on my on my head when I was a, a baby. And part of my my skull is thinner, slightly thinner. 
So I'm not supposed to get a huge amount of sun on my head, basically. Um, so I try to avoid because if I go out for too long in the sun, I get like this really bad headache on my right side, and sometimes I like throw up and stuff. So like it's not uh it's not nice. So that's why the night is much cooler and more pleasant and everything. So I, I tend to just I'm not a vampire or whatever, but I do tend to avoid the sun. <laughs> so uh, that's that's actually the best answer I can give. So there you go. But yeah, I, I think <laughs> overall it's a good idea to do that. In like, I I prefer either early morning when nobody's around, like other than people who yeah. start working at like seven a.m. and they need to walk their dogs beforehand, or or mm-hmm. or, or late at night simply because it's cooler. It's mm-hmm. it's a, yep. like during during the winter it doesn't really matter because you can go out at four p.m. and it's gonna be quite cold and dark anyway but uh yeah. yeah during the spring or the summer you have to do it late yeah there there is no pleasure in walking when there is you know 30 degrees outside some people love that i know like, it's crazy right <laughs> like my best friend is brazilian and he just it's like it recharges him it just feels like alive when he goes out in that 30 degree sun i'm just like get that away from me <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. One of my colleagues is originally originally from Suriname. It's a country in South America, and uh, you know, last couple of days it's been fairly warm, like around twenty degrees. So uh, you know, everyone's walking around in t-shirts, and he's wearing a jacket. Like he's like, it's cold, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's crazy. Uh-huh. Like, and and everyone is saying like, the moment he's walking around in t-shirt, like we, we need to take pictures. We need to you know put it somewhere for for next generations to remember. Because that hasn't happened yet, and he's been working there for at least like four or five, four or five years. It's never warm enough yeah. for this guy. <laughs> but and I, I, I went running yesterday, and it's twenty degrees. It's already way too hot if you go running. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, I need it's, to do that in the evening as well. It's like yeah. <laughs> There's a lot more joggers too. I noticed that. There's people jogging at half eleven at night. You know. Uh, um, I can tell you this: sporting equipment of all kinds sells like crazy right now. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. I, I know that for a fact because one of our customers is manufacturing that. And, you know, it, it comes on one day and all of it, like the, the, the whole shipment co- goes out the other day. Yeah. Because people, are just, people just keep buying it because they have nothing else to do. And, you know, somebody in chat, I think it was Brother, said that he's not allowed to go outside. We are allowed to do that. We, you're allowed to, to go outside if it's a group of two or less. Like three or more, you are gonna get fined. Two or mm. less, that's fine. Sure, that Jess was telling me that in South Africa, like it's really strict over there. Like you're, you, if you're caught going outside at all, like it's not even two people or whatever. Like you, they literally don't let you go outside, and if they catch you, you just get you get fined. Yeah, it's the same really. in Italy. I have a good friend in in Italy, and. Um, he said that whenever he goes outside, whether it's work or you know essential shopping or anything, really, he, um, they have a they have a form that they have to fill out, and they have to have mm-hmm. it um, at hand at all times because uh, when a pat when a patrol stops them, they have to give them a proper reason and some paperwork, because otherwise they're gonna get fined and they're gonna be escorted home. And they're pretty hefty fines as well. It's oh like... yeah. It's it's th- know, a difference. It differs depending on the country. I think yeah. over here it's two fifty. Three ninety here. Oh wow! Whoa! We love our fines. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can get fined here, but I, 
like I, I I don't think it's uh I don't think it's that much. It might be 150 euro or something. Um, slap on the wrist, like. <laughs> yeah, oh, fine, fines <laughs> are absolutely crazy here, and I remember always talking about um traffic violations. Yeah. Because um a lot of people when they're in Germany they get a little bit um carried over. They get a little bit too happy, so they cross the border and they still go at the same speed. And I remember um, hearing about the case where somebody was traveling at a certain speed, which was also beyond the limit in Germany, and he got fined 15 euros there. And then he crossed the border at the same speed and he got fined close to 200 euros here. So uh, when it comes to fines, you don't want to get fined in the Netherlands. Like, they are always hefty. But wow. anyway, we, we've been talking a lot about Corona, and I think it's time up to yeah, Gwen to talk about Gwen. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not I'm topic. not sure if that's a more pleasant topic right now because during a meta like this, um, uh, I think a lot of us feel uh, somewhat disappointed because you have all this time in the world to play Gwen, and all you see is that one deck. So uh, what I'm gonna ask is not really uh, concerning Gwen because I would like to ask. During the middle like this, are you guys playing other games too? Uh, regularly. Um, uh, we talked about this before as well. That uh, I was originally a console player for Gwent, but since that version went away, I'm playing on mobile exclusively now. Um, so if <laughs> I want to play something sitting still in this setup, it's usually on my PlayStation, on my console, and then I play other things. Um, I've been playing XCOM in a challenge run that I'm doing on the on the YouTube channel. Um, some Resident Evil as well with the remakes. They're really, really good. Uh, and just some nostalgia games as well. Just just basically working on my backlog because that's been piling up lately. Um, that's basically that. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and the Weevil, because there there was a question coming up about you and and, and your Gwent adventure over the years, but I, mean, I I know you've been playing other games too. Like I I saw you streaming Final Fantasy. Like don't get me like please forgive me if I if I get the number wrong. Is it seven? FF seven remake. Yeah. <sighs> um, I was looking forward to that game for a long time, and it actually got released on my birthday, which was which was like a week ago, uh, which was really nice. Um, I've been streaming it, but I think that like. Single, I feel like single player games aren't as fun for me to stream because the experience is identical for everyone who streams it. Like you play through the game, there's no modularity in that game. It's completely linear. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, everyone is going to discover the same things basically. So like, I, I, I enjoy it because it's my first time playing through the game. But if someone else came in like Lionheart or something and he goes, oh yeah, he's already done. Like, he's, like I've already done this part kind of thing. Like, so... Uh, there's certain experiences that are taken away, like whereas Gwent is different because it's like every game is a little different, and unless it's hidden cash ten times in a row. But, um, but yeah, like pr pretty much FF7 remake is fun for me to stream on on occasion. But um, I like Gwent because of the because of the variety. So that's what I try to focus on. I don't really have a backlog of games per se. Like I'm not really that kind of person. Like I'll maybe I'll play a game like a new game maybe two or three times a year like uh like uh i follow any any of the souls the souls like games so like um sekiro is the last one so if, if any of those come out i'll just buy that and play 
Um, but other than that, like my my tastes have gotten more and more narrow as time has gone on. Like I used to play like a lot of real time strategy games, like Total War and stuff. Um, I, I'm I also really into Super Smash Brothers. By the way, uh, mm. I play that all the time. Um, yeah, I, I've seen you playing that, and that other game. Um, that's kind of fun to watch. Oh, God, I, I forgot the name. Oh, my head. Uh, Jackbox thing. No, not Jackbox. Um, I do play Jackbox as well. It's it's like one of those those old school games when you move from from left to right. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know that there's a lot of them. I, I for, we are gonna get back to this when I remember the name. Um, so oh, <laughs> um, the, the point that we oh I think there was a procedural one I played a while ago. Uh, what was it called? Um, it was where the levels were generated randomly every time. Uh, Dead Cells, yeah. Dead Cells, yeah. They just, yeah. Yeah, that was about a year and a half ago. Yeah, that, that's that's a pretty good game, but I couldn't get past the final. There was like four four different kind of stages or whatever, and the final stage had three. It had three. It, it, you you get one of three bosses at the very end. One of them is like ridiculously difficult. Um, one of them is like reasonable, and the other one is like pretty difficult as well. And I, and I and every time I made it to the top of the tower, I always got the really really hard boss, and I was just like. Come on, it took me like two hours to get here. <laughs> yeah, I think you also and used to play you... um, Slate Spire, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. And there's actually another card game. Uh, somebody somebody was telling me about it in my chat there the other day. There's another card game that's similar to Slate Spire in that it's sort of like you progress, you know, and there's, there's different like procedural elements and stuff. Um, and you build your deck up over time, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it, it looks really like Slate Spire and almost like it's taken all the good bits and sort of refined it and uh, everything else. So that those types of games are fun too. And that that's something that's really nice to stream uh, because it's like there are those random elements and no two no two runs are ever like the same. Um, so yeah, you know, but you know, Gwent is my bread my bread and butter, as we say. So that's what I. How about you, Hesser? Because uh, last couple of days I saw you stream for the first time in a while, and yes, it was it yes. was enjoyable. <laughs> well, I, on the other hand, I'm enjoying pretty much uh, the other single-player games right now, and I'm playing a lot of the games from my backlog. I have a huge backlog, unfortunately. And uh, I got, like, I remember, like, starting Bioshock back in the days when it got released, and finally, now I have some time to finish all of the games. So now I'm playing Bioshock, the second part, and I'm just waiting for the infinite because I've heard that it's pretty ridiculously good. So I want to play it. And the DLCs. And, uh, yeah, and uh, I also have some games on Switch. So basically, I'm just you know laying around here in the in the flat and playing some Switch as well. Also some Super Smash Bros. So yeah, I know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so I, I just decided you know to just move back from the multiplayer games. I, they got me a bit frustrated recently, so that's that's mainly the reason. The tilt, I understand. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> the tilt what, is real. That's why I stopped playing Overwatch. I used to, I, I play, yeah. I put thousands of hours into that game, and then I just, there was a point where I just, uh, I was in like kind of mid diamond kind of tier or whatever, and I, I just couldn't handle it anymore. People <laughs> were just like, where are my heels? Where are my heels? And I was like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm trying. Yeah, I, I that, that was our our, our go to game. We have a Thursday evening. We always do game night with friends. And Overwatch was our go-to game for over a year, and then at, at a certain point, you just burn out because everybody's just complaining about the same things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you move on. 
Oh man, yeah. I used to play some League of Legends with my friends as well, and that you can imagine ended up badly. I think I think I, I've seen your Discord saying you were playing League of Legends. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, I've been I've been I actually disab- disabled the 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 option that allows people to to see what you're playing because I I don't want people people to see that you know I I play like hundreds of hours of Poe. <laughs> But I oh, always yeah. uh, what's, the, what's that one at Path of Exile? Is yeah, it? Path of Exile, um, huge yeah. fan of it over the years, and you know, like, I've, the, the the hours keep adding up. I think I think I'm at like fifty three hundred right now. It's <laughs> it's insane, and you know they they keep releasing new expansion every three months, so there's always a reason to go back. But recently, I've been also uh, playing other games. I I got back to City Skylines for the first time in almost a year. Not not yeah. streaming it, not doing not not doing any kind of content creation. Just just playing for myself when, whenever I have some free time, and yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I think it's just much healthier for, for 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 me to play it on my own and and have fun rather than than create content the way I used to do. And um, there is a card game that I'm I I haven't installed it yet. I'm gonna do that today, and I and I talk to you guys about it. And it's called Cards with a K, very original. <laughs> but because it's World War II themed, it really caught my attention. It released a couple of days ago, and uh, I actually asked Hesser because I know he's been playing it. If if he would like to do a co-op of, of cards, right? I did ask it. I, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <that's laughs> or, or did I get it wrong? <laughs> Stop pause though. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, gotta, we like... gotta do that. I actually started, and I chose obviously my favorite faction, the Soviets. And you can feel that they they are, they were trying, you know, to give like some sort of specific feeling about every faction, about every nation, because you have a few nations there. Um, and uh, I, I just wonder what are the other specific, like nation specific treats, right? But so far, so good. I, I've been really enjoying it. So we definitely. So uh, how does it? What what would it compare to? Like, what's the closest card game? Like, does it have a pass mechanic, for example, or mm, or is nope. it kind of? It doesn't have the pass. I would say that it's pretty much similar to Hearthstone again because you still have some oh, okay. sort of mana, right? Uh... And uh, <laughs> there's an interesting mechanic uh, called the front line, right? So you gotta you know, occupy the front line, you take the front line, and then only you can only attack, for example, the, the your opponent's base or your opponent's units, right? Yeah, but I, I think on, only certain types of units require you to, to have the front line. I think uh, cavalry and yeah. infantry require you to have the front line, whereas um, Air Force doesn't, and, and, and obviously there are other units that don't really require you to have it, but... Um, I, I kind of feel on the fence about that game because um, on one hand, I love the design of German cards. But on the other, playing Germany, it might rub some people the wrong way. So, I mean, I mean, like Command and Conquer back in the day, and I didn't mind picking Soviets, like, yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Or or whatever. It is. Like, there was, there was no political, nothing political in, in like, you know, I, th- I think Soviets still kind of get accepted, but the Germans, it's it's gonna be a difficult one. It's gonna be difficult. But yeah, I've been I've been giving it a lot of thought, and I I told you guys I haven't installed it. I watched a couple of streams, and uh, I, I'm I'm really getting ready to play it, and especially now that Hesser told me that he installed it and played it, and he yes. he thinks it's cool. So I I thought yeah, let's 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 give it a try. So I'm gonna do it today after the podcast. But this podcast mm. is about Gwent, and I think there's yeah. a lot of topics related to Gwent that we need to explore here. What's um, that? 
Yeah, was Gwen was 40 minutes in. <laughs> 40 minutes in. <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk about Gwen, right? <laughs> and the first topic is obviously gonna be the journey. Guys, if, if you want to hear about the, the hidden cash, we're going to talk about it as well. But I want to open with the journey because it's been a couple of weeks. Like, in the early stages, um, you had two camps, basically. You had people who were very happy about the journey, about the whole system and how it worked. And you had people who also had some criticism. So, we are a few weeks in. Uh, we had Jason Slama explain the math behind um, the reward changes and... And, and and the progression. So, um, how do you perceive journey right now? I mean, to me, I've been in both camps during the past few weeks. It's it's a, a really well designed system that gives you a real sense of progression if you're new to the game. It's something that incentivizes you to keep playing aside from just collecting the cards, which was always a, a problem in base Gwent. I think at a certain point, if you have all the cards, there's not really a big incentive to keep playing aside of course gameplay that's all always always great but it's a great new way to to incentivize the more casual plays i think to to keep playing and, and start earning those those ornaments even if you're just playing on the on the free pot um but then on the other side of course you have the 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 players that max out their rewards each day and are now kind of being shafted just a little bit especially in the early weeks of the of journey because uh, there was a huge difference between what you could earn in the old daily crown system and right now in journey um and the main reason for that was the the weekly cap i think yeah yeah um i don't know how deep we want to go into the numbers but basically at the the original cap was 100 if i'm not mistaken yes that's that's correct which basically meant that with the well rested uh crown points you got so that was 14 each day multiply that by 70 you get 98 so if you played your well-rested rounds every day, you were already at the weekly cap. So if you did anything over than that... But the well-rested crowns did not count towards the cap. No, but if you just okay. play those 14 rounds that are multiplied then indeed, just those 14 rounds to get your well-rested crowns, then even on your base crown points, you would reach the limit by the end of the week. Yeah, I think to and put that's... it into perspective, um, I've that the first week of journey I played somewhat casually and by Monday I got capped, capped out. No. And that's three days because it, it refreshes on Thursday, I think. Yeah. yeah. So that's three days before it actually refreshed. Now it's been up to 350. I can imagine that there are still hardcore uh, players that are still uh, reaching that cap. Uh, but it's... I think it was um, Habla last time talked about that, that he was really frustrated because he, he reached the original cap after five hours. Uh, yeah. I heard him say in the, in the previous podcast. So then I can definitely understand the frustration. But the way Slama explained it in his post is that Journey was mainly focused towards new and casual plays, which I think I should verify the numbers. But I think it was about 88% of plays only got two reward points or less yeah. on an average day which then makes sense that you want to make that easier for those 88%. That's quite a statistic if you think about it. Like it it wasn't what I thought, honestly. Like cuz like a, a lot of the, a lot of the competitive level players are trying to say like oh, we're the ones who should push the decision making. Mm -hmm. But I have always made the argument in my streams or otherwise that the casual players basically own not just this game but any game, any card game. 
like it, that that is what the like the competitive players have a very specialized knowledge of the game and a very sp a specific set of requests you know to have like high level tournaments and this everything else but it's the casual players who actually keep the game afloat and it it, it takes sometimes it's difficult for the competitive players to admit that because they believe that oh if i if i've invested this many thousand hours into the game i expect you know i expect these results and i expect people to kind of fall in line and listen to what to what we want or whatever but i that those numbers were staggering to me when i saw them and uh like 88% or whatever it's like wow yeah, the, the the other side is even worse i think it was 0.6% of players got those six reward points each day oh my so that god is yeah but you also have to remember that no gwent way. is a free to play game so on a daily mm -hmm. basis you have new players uh basically giving it a go for one or two games and then quitting of course we don't we don't have the numbers regarding gwent so once again i have to use an an example from another game and that's obviously going to be poe which is also free to play and i remember the lead developer saying something like the vast majority 60 something percent of all players never get it past the first area which takes about three four minutes of play time so the odds are that okay we have 88 percent of players getting two or less reward points uh, on a daily basis but how many of those players are actually there for the first time um, according to, to Jason's posts, I think he mentioned specifically that they took statistics from a period of time that wasn't during the release date of okay. the iOS, iOS version or the Android, so a more general week uh, to get a better average. And they're also talking about active players, so not entirely. That probably does include new players on an average basis, but since it's averaged out, I feel like it's probably going to be pretty co correct. And even without those new players, it's still going to be, I mean, we're talking about 88%. It's still going to yeah, be that's, 60. That's, yeah, that's, that's just, that's almost everyone. And they, they just wanted mm. to have a system that um, allows you to still get those two reward points, but with less of a time sink. Because for casual players getting to those six rounds you originally need, if you lose a few matches, then that can quickly add up to an hour of play to just get those two reward points. If you want to do that every day, that's quite a time sink if you're just a casual player. Yeah. Um, now with Journey, I think just mainly because of the quests, um, because those give you basically one level for free. If you if you complete one of the quests, yeah. you get those two reward points in around half an hour on average, which is the biggest difference I think they wanted to achieve. Yeah, and, and you get three quests on the free path and six quests on the paid one. Yeah. Now, the other problem, I think, and I think you might agree with that, is that they made it way too complicated. Um, yeah. It and was very it's... complicated for, for me, but I think it's the topic that we are going to discuss in the next question. Okay. Yeah, so moving up to the next question, uh, we were thinking, what are your thoughts about the whole duration, the number of levels and the rewards? in the path and what do you think are the players like thinking that uh it's too much of a commitment like it's obviously like in every other battle pass that the coolest rewards are in the end of the path but it really takes some time to get there right so it might be just too much of a commitment for the players maybe we have too many levels in in this battle pass what do you think about it uh i think it's spread out over three months if i'm yes mistaken. 90 days i think but I, f I felt like the timer was already at 85 days. 
started. That was a, a really weird thing. But even aside <laughs> from that, 90 days should be, I think it's just enough, but it does require a commitment. Um, but again, it depends on if you want to make that commitment. If you're just a casual player, you look at it okay as, as extra rewards you get along the way. I don't think every casual player wants to reach that level 100. Um, even though there are some really cool cosmetics in those last 10 levels. <laughs> um, but even the first few cosmetics, there are a few very nice uh, avatars and, and, and card backs in those, those earlier levels. But I think we can't forget that it's about three months that you have the time for it. Um, I think Slama also mentioned in his post that if you, it's only in week seven that you're physically no longer able to finish the journey completely. Some somewhere around. around uh, I think um, for the free path, it's no longer possible after the first month of the journey. Yeah, for the free path, yeah. And for the paid path, after seven weeks, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think it's like that. Um, I think the, the, the biggest. Yeah, go on. The big, the biggest complexity, I think, which is uh, which is still really unclear, is that you can complete the quests in Geralt's string of quests even if you don't have the premium but you don't get the 20 crown points for completing it and if you then buy the premium pass afterwards you get those crown points you should have gotten immediately so it's weird because you can complete those quests but you don't get the reward for those quests so it's yeah. just a few bars that are filling up with no effect and yeah, that adds to the, the yeah the, the, the confusion for newer players because that's basically one of the, the the most often asked questions on the the video I made on Journey as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the only point I, I like I, I I'm I'm sort of known as a person who doesn't pay a huge amount of attention to cosmetics and stuff. But the only the only thing I saw with the Journey that immediately like raised a flag for me was the was the fast travel thing. Um, and I know it's because of mobile release, but we were even talking yesterday about how the the price is different on mobile. It's higher on mobile than it is on on. Uh, on on PC for the fast for the same amount of fast travel, and like, yeah, that 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 if if you have just enough time to finish the journey in the three month period, uh, like like just enough time if you play optimally and you you do all your quests efficiently and everything else, there's going to be a, a you know a majority of players I would say who, as you say who who play for you know a, a minimal amount of time. And will be incentivized to say, "Oh, well, if you want this really nice shiny thing, then you need you need to pay for it or whatever." Like, I think they could have been less greedy with it and made a shorter, more kind of streamlined journey thing that did not include a fast travel system. But you know, that's yeah, that's that's just my opinion. I, I'm kind of against the whole net notion of microtransactions <laughs> to begin with, so I mm -hmm. guess it's sort of a it's a little it's kind of a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> um, I don't know. But uh... <laughs> yeah, when when I look at the system as a whole, I think it was um, designed specifically to incentivize people to play more, because it's three months, as you guys already said. The best rewards mm -hmm. are saved for the last stretch. So when when I'm playing Gwent, and despite not streaming, I've been playing a fair share of it in in, in the recent weeks. I always feel guilty if I'm not playing now because I feel like. Even though I have the premium path, I'm not gonna get there. So it it kind of motivates me to play more and and make sure I get uh, I made use of all the well rested crowns every day. Mm -hmm. 
and and then you know we have fast travel that we, we will talk about and it kind of feels like okay so if i skip a week because of any reason it kind of feels like i have to fast travel to to make up for that loss i don't think you'll need to it depends on how many how many yeah, of course like you... if you if you run the math you feel like okay you can skip yeah. a couple of weeks here and there but you know it's, it's i think it's a psychological effect like i'm missing on rewards i need to fast travel to catch up I think it's also the psychological effect because it takes three months and it's hard to guess where you'll end up after three months in 100 levels. Um, which also makes, if you look at the fast travel options, because pricing has also always been really interesting in Gwent. Let's use the word interesting. <laughs> um, yeah. But the fast travel option is really, it's one, one euro per level on average. Yeah, it's five levels and it's like four... 450 on PC and it's close to six euros on mobile. And I don't know mm. if you if you noticed, but if you look at the later tiers, they ramp up in price as well. No, that, that that's because the later tiers also include the previous ones. Yeah, but I mean, if you if you look at uh, the difference between level uh, one and ten, is the difference is a lot smaller between one and ten and between. Um, 90 and 100 so i think it's 20 euros to go the difference between the price for level 90 is uh 20 euros to on top of that to go to level 100 um and i think it might be that that's only on, on mobile i can check on the, the pc version because the problem mm -hmm. just to give you a little bit of a, a background on that is on definitely on ios i'm not entirely sure on android you're you can't choose the price specifically on your microtransactions. You're uh, forced to choose between different price tiers. And the higher your, your price goes, the less of a difference you have between those price tiers. So I think they just couldn't select, um, like for example, 90 euros. So they just went to 100, 100 euros immediately uh, because they are stuck to those price tiers that you have available on. Uh, the developer uh, console. Yeah, it's, mm. it's it's possible, but I really like the argument that you made that it's three months, and because of that, it's really difficult for us to imagine how it will play out. Because, for example, Hesser, what 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 were you doing three months ago? Do do you even remember? Not really. <laughs> yeah. So so how 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 do you imagine completing the journey in three months? Like. Are are you guys trying to do the math in your head? Like, how much do I need to play a day or a week to make it? I I constantly do that. That, but that's just me. I, I like numbers. <laughs> but like, I'm I'm literally just trying to farm farm with uh, with Northern Realms right now. Like, I, I'm not thinking about playing fifteen bounties or like or whatever like that. If it happens, if it, if it actually happens to occur, then that's fine. Plus, you can go back on previous weeks and finish the quests, which is nice because. Uh, um yeah. plus You're i bought the premium i bought the premium pass <laughs> as well and i'm just like kind of wasting it but um yeah. <laughs> you're basically forced to use the unless that changed do first complete the the quest from week two if you haven't done that yet you need to complete those first before you can start on the the ones from week three unless that changed from the original implementation mm. so, so you were true, so you are still stuck with the aristocrat quests yeah. <laughs> Hazard, what about you? Um, do you have the premium pass? And, but, but actually, question for all of you. Like, what level are you right now when it comes to the journey? 
Oh, I think I'm around level 38, and yeah, I got the premium pass, but yeah, I'm also like kind of wasting it right now. I'm trying to do some quests, but <laughs> but I have no still, idea I, am. <laughs> 20, I think I'm like late 20s, 29 or 30s. I honestly haven't checked in a while, but uh, yeah. I just wanted the, the bandit moment. Geralt thing. That's all I wanted for Bandit Gang, Team Bandit Gang. You know, so I had the little bandana. That, that's all. That's all I wanted. So makes I'm happy. sense. <laughs> yeah, he made an official announcement at Bandit Pig in the Discord. He was like, "Everybody, we we need that. Everyone needs to unlock the band the bandit uh, mask thing for coronavirus awareness and for Team Bandit Gang awareness." You know, <laughs> uh, I'm at 22 right now. Um, also with the premium, the premium pass, but. Both of your levels are way more than enough to get to the end easily. Because right now, I think yeah. after two weeks, you should have around, you should be around level 18 too, if you want to use the same rhythm every week. Um, if you're now a level 18 and you continue on the same, the same trajectory, you should make it without a problem. Um, mm. But that then does include, of course, the quests that are turning out to be uh, more, more and more specific towards <laughs> specific cards that not, a, not all casual players might have. Yeah. Well, I can understand that they are just, you know, trying to push and give some incentive to the players to try out some new decks, but for some of them, it's impossible to use it, right? Or, or they just don't like it. So Yeah. And, and the, cool, the cool thing on the other side is that the, the quests are actually tied to the story underneath. Yeah. So if you yeah, follow yeah, yeah. along with the story as well, like for example, the 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 quest with the bounties happens at the same time that Geralt uh, <laughs> brings in a, a piece of a monster to to somebody to to retrieve a bounty. So it's cool that they match, and that's because uh, I think yesterday we were talking about maybe they could re-roll the quest, but I think for that reason alone they won't. Uh, and yeah. of course, to to push them towards making everybody play different uh, different decks and factions. Yeah. Yeah, like that was the that was the point on uh the fact that Syndicate doesn't have a starter deck and one of the quests in is a week two specifically relates to bounties. And like the only suggestion I'd have is is pick any syndicate leader, put in two slanders and a Graydon or or whatever, or play uh play wildcard. Uh pick get, like craft two slanders and a Graydon and then just put in all neutral cards. <laughs> so you don't need to play any of the syndicate cards. Yeah, I would like to yeah. cycle back a, f a few minutes because Hesser, you said you are at level thirty eight? I think so, yeah. But I, I got, I got a boost. I bought, I bought. I think, I don't know where, where can you, which level can you buy? But I think I, I bought it, you know, with additional money. Okay, yeah, because because I wanted to say <laughs> Shame. Uh, that the, you know the journey has been around for a couple of weeks, and every single day I've been playing, you know, enough rounds to use all my crowns, and mm -hmm. sometimes some I would add something on top. And I'm also level 38, and of course premium path. So I thought that's that's quite a commitment. It's not, it's not very casual, but th then again, for for me it's much easier because we have the seasonal mode, and uh, you know whenever I queue against someone who's not Neofgard, I'm like, wrong neighborhood, motherfucker. <laughs> it's it's all about spice. Good, good little, like level 80 something. <laughs> yeah, but Google clearly bought it. Like there is no yeah. because he was level 80 yeah. on, on the first two days. Yeah, he's just crazy. <laughs> um, it's, I mean, but but it's it's okay. Like you know some. People are committed to to a game like this, and they are just waiting for the opportunity to spend that money. Because if you look at the microtransactions that were available in the shop, quite often they were underwhelming. Like you have the money, you want to spend it on Gwen, but there is nothing you would like to buy. And now you have the journey, 
And it for, 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 for Wales, it feels like, okay, this is the right time to spend that money that I saved for Gwent. I mean, yeah. value-wise, it's a really good deal. The, the premium pass itself, I should specify, the premium pass itself is <laughs> 10 bucks, I think, right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which gives you around 50 ornaments. And I think every type of ornament that's in there costs around eight or nine bucks on the store if you want to buy one of those separately. For example, the card bags, there's four card bags in there. And if you want to buy one of the Triss, Shani, or Yennefer card bags, I think it's eight bucks to buy one of those, which is. Yeah. And the Ophiri prince, uh, princess thing is like. Oh, no, no. Don't, don't even. <laughs> We will, with all due respect, don't even mention that microtransaction. Uh, it's disgusting. It's but but to counter that, so the cost of the premium pass is a lot better price than it was for the single microtransactions, the single cosmetics, because those are just. I've had multiple discussions on the YouTube channel, on my YouTube channel, about this, but you should see those basically like the fast travel options as well as ways to donate money to cdpr because you're not getting all that much in return yeah feed versa <laughs> hashtag feed basically yeah basically the campaign yeah I, I, fast I, travel because fast travel is just a way to save time and that's always a bit of a weird concept like they made the problem and they give you a way to buy the solution <laughs> for the problem isn't that marketing um, 101 yeah of course course that is and there's a lot more games that do that that aren't free to play to start with so i don't mind that in a free to play game uh it's yeah. basically a business model so, yeah in, uh, in a lot of games that only say microtransactions you will see that uh you know the the free options of what your character or your cards um are not very attractive so the game mm -hmm. is made let's say ugly only to some microtransactions to make it look better for you that's how it works so in a lot much, of games. You get so much for free in Gwent, which oh, yeah. is the reason why I yeah. don't mind the business model. But it is, of course, you need to realize that even for the fast travel options, you're just paying to save time, which you might not even need to save. Because even you're a good example for that, Weisenberg. Because you said you're level 38 right now. Yeah. So that's over after a little over two weeks. And you still have two months and a half left in the season pass, and you're almost at half of the, the level. So, and you say, of course, it's a commitment, but even if you roll back that commitment by, by half, you still make it to the end without a problem. Yeah, but one thing I want to talk about, and then um, we've already mentioned it, is the accessibility of quests, right? Because you said, okay, they, they link to the actual story that's being told as part of the journey. But sometimes I have this feeling that a lot of cards are just not accessible for everyone. So let's say you are a new player, right? It's, it's week two. You have to play Aristocrats. Not a single Aristocrat is in the starter deck. No. And then you have uh, Bounty and there is no Syndicate starter deck. No. I think Syndicate is more of a problem. Because Aristocrats can uh, get the Hunter and he's useful in a lot of decks. Just because of the bleeding or locking option you can um and that counts already towards the aristocrats without having to build a complete status deck um but indeed syndicate is a lot more of a problem i think um if you just start the game because it's the, the biggest problem is that it's it's a quest in week two which basically blocks your progress in the quest if you don't do that 
Neutrals and slander, I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> slander and bounty hunters. Yep. That's it. You'll get you will knock off that quest in in an hour and a half tops mm -hmm. if you if you just craft two slanders and just make uh, it on. my advice would be just add any kind of bounty card to your deck that you have currently in your collection and play game of seasonal like you play watch one witch hunter and it's gonna it's gonna pull the another one so yeah. you get two cards per per turn That's and true. you can you can do it in sometimes some of these quests you can effectively do in one game yeah seasonal right now is really good to grind a lot of stuff like contracts and 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 quests it's you can also farm noobs in seasonal <laughs> for, your, for your for your well um yeah, that, like there's, it, it is useful for a lot of those types of things. But Gula was trying to do that actually with some uh, really obscure achievements. Um, what was it to do with? Was it to do with purifying? Yeah, so it was to do with purifying units, and um, he noticed that certain purifies weren't being tracked. So, like, if you purify a doomed unit, apparently it doesn't track a purify. Whereas yeah. if you purify a lock or a poison or or whatever, also if you purify, I think if you purify vitality, it also doesn't work. Uh, only if you, it's only if you purify your own bleed. So it's hmm. kind of like there's this bias between purifying an opponent's unit and purifying your own. It only counts certain ones. So he he was just like, what the hell? It like, and he tracked every single one during the game because he he made it. He designed a deck specifically, you know, syndicate deck specifically to purify. So he would play all of his um, fire sworn zealot things, and uh, he would just like purify them all, and uh, like. Like none of them account. <laughs> Actually, there is the a... same happening in Scaliger with the 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 Ravens. Tried to do a similar setup and they didn't count. Indeed. Actually, there's a yeah. problem with uh, the quest this week because um, it says win three games without destroying any of your enemies' units. Yeah. And the problem is that if your your if your opponent happens to play monsters, they are gonna consume their units and apparently it ruins your quest. And as far as I've seen, it's bugged, that one. Because I've seen people saying that they get um, progress towards that quest if they do destroy units, and they don't get progress if they don't destroy units. Uh, I'm, like I'm not sure if it works, because um, I'm only playing my Spy Assimilate deck. And what I've been doing is, I have the Handgate uh, Sword in my deck. Mm -hmm. And I've been constantly killing that Roderick. That Roderick is getting slammed all the time. And it still allowed me to complete the quest. So technically, like if you play a spine unit, it, it counts as your, your, your opponent's unit by, by that point. And even if you destroy it, it still is fine with the quest. It doesn't ruin it. Which is something I was worried about because I really didn't want to remove that sword because the combos you get in Assimilate with the sword are completely crazy. It's like Roderick into sword, into Roderick into sword, into Roderick into sword, into Cantarella, into your opponent's Cantarella. <laughs> it's completely crazy. <laughs> like I, I, was, I was telling Hesser, sometimes you are able to put five units on your opponent's side of the board in one turn. <laughs> so, sounds like fun. Uh, for, 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 for me it is. I'm, I'm pretty sure yeah. that for my opponent it isn't. But as you can judge by the display in my room, I'm not the kind of person who cares about other people's fun. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, I, ha I just have the basic characters in my back. You have a yeah. freaking. I was, I was. Background. Honestly, for a very long time, I I did not want to display it because I always f felt like, what if I stop playing Gwent? All these cards don't feel, let's say, artsy enough for non-Gwent fans to understand them or to even like inspire some sort of thinking. I think I think that Collar has that artsy element. So, that, so that people are going to stop by and be like, hmm, I'm wondering what is the idea behind this art. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. And I'm looking at you, Hesser. Yes. So, speaking of the battle passes, obviously that idea wasn't like, you know, they didn't come up with that idea, the CDPR, I mean. Uh, and there are some other battle passes in other games. And... Uh, do you have like any experience with the battle passes from other games and what kind of features would you like to see implemented? Um, I think the one I've been contact with the most recently was the one in Apex Legends. But again, I don't really play Apex Legends enough to uh, really care about it. So I just, it's something that happens in the background and I don't really look at it. Um, but I think the one in Gwent is basically the first one I actually paid money for uh, otherwise i just go with the free tier like in, in rainbow six right now as well it's yeah and that that also it does give you a good idea that the free tier in gwent is a lot more generous than what you get in other games yeah because in true. most other season passes you have levels where you get nothing for the free tier and that doesn't happen in gwent yeah, yeah, Gwent yeah, is I've... always very generous. Go on, Hesser. Sorry, I, I interrupted. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been recently playing some Call of Duty um, Warzone, this Battle Royale. And um, also they have less the free tier, right? And there you get like, you skip like, I don't know, maybe 10 tiers before you get something. So it, it basically gives you nothing, right? Mm -hmm. You really need to commit a lot if you want to get at least something. Right? It's not the case of Gwent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't really have much experience with it except for like, um, I mean, the closest I, I, I would have gotten to it. Maybe it's a relatively accept, but it, it, for me, it was just season passes for uh, for DLC and things like this in games like uh, Smash Bros, <laughs> for example. <laughs> yeah, um, Fighter Pass, they call it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really have sure. any, any experience with the battle passes either. As, as a matter of fact, if I look at the last couple of years, I, I haven't been spending a lot of money on games. Like Gwent, I've I've been like I spent some money on Gwent back in the closed beta days when I was a new player mm. and I was really hooked on Gwent and I wanted some kegs to expand my collection. I think we are talking about 30, 40 euros. Then I bought um, Thronebreaker. I think a lot of people. I think all of you guys did. Mm -hmm. And uh, this was the very first time since Homebreaker. Uh, I, I want to say Homebreaker. <laughs> what the Homebreaker? Homebreaker. <laughs> Thronebreaker. That I actually spent money on Gwent. I mean, I other that games. Sounds like a, that sounds like a dandelion game. Home record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Other than other other than oh, that, like, <laughs> other than that, I'm really not spending a lot of money on. Gwent. People are always tell me play this game, play that game, and I'm like, this is money, and I'm already playing, you know, this and that game, and they consume all of my time. So even if I buy this this one, I won't have any time to play it, which is one of the reasons I've never bought uh, Kingdom Come Deliverance. Like people have been always saying, you love history, you love RPGs, play it, and I know I simply won't have the time to do so. I've never I bought, bought it, it, and I literally played it for like an hour, 
Like, I, not because I didn't like it, but it's just it's just sitting there now. Like I could reinstall, I could reinstall it on my PC. I had it on my laptop. Um, but yeah, like it's like it's like the people who say they have like four four thousand games in their Steam library because of all these humble bundle things or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, well, how many of those have you actually played? <laughs> Probably like five <laughs> percent. Yeah. Of even. Um. But yeah. The backlog problem. Yeah, the back this backlog thing. I, I, I need to force myself to not buy anything new that's on sale because <laughs> I know I have way too much I still need to finish. And I'm a real completionist, so I I replay games <laughs> all the time just to make but sure. But it's all I about the that. new games. They're they're objectively better than anything that was released before. <laughs> ignore, uh, ignore. Yeah, I, I would say the only game I, I spend money on on the regular is again PO. But it's it's a relationship by now. Like, I'm 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 not sure. Like, how was the 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 this, this sitcom called? Like, do you guys remember that Al Bundy sitcom? Like that guy who was a shoe salesman. His name was Al Bundy in the series. And he has a mm, either wife. Yeah, I remember that Man. one. It was, I, remember I think it was married with children. I think that's how it was called. Uh, yeah. So basically, in every episode, like his wife was just coming, coming to him, just with 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 a hand extended, and he was just putting some money in her hand just to shut her up. And that's my relationship with Poe. Like every expansion, Poe comes to me with her with her hand extended. I just hand them, you know, a fifty euro bill and just go away. There you go. That's that's, that's how it works with me and Poe. Every expansion. Yeah. But speaking of expansions, I think it's a good moment to actually um, talk a little bit about the new development schedule because. Last year we had four expansions uh, in Gwent, and Slama said that uh, they are changing uh, their development schedule to two expansions. And I think I think we can expect two journeys a year. I'm I'm, I'm not sure. It was never confirmed. I, I I I think I hope that it will be one day, but I think that it's something we can expect. So um, I'm I'm assuming it would happen just four times a year. Because it's their main revenue pool right now. So yeah, why not? I'm guessing that's just going to keep going. Yeah, you you think four expansions, uh, four journeys into expansions? I think so. Oh, I that, would assume that so. That would be a lot of content. Imagine, imagine you had to complete you had to complete the second journey to actually unlock the expansion cards. Oh no! Please, please. <laughs> I I think that would break the community. <laughs> Mm. Okay, what's what's your take on this on this new development schedule? Because a lot of people were saying, you know, uh, two expansions might be might not be enough to keep people interested, despite the journey being 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 a thing now. So, what do you guys think about it? Um, go ahead. Who wants to go first? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna say Hesser go first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like you know if you look at the other card games, um, they are going in pretty much similar pace so i think the two expansions would be just all right you know especially looking at the fact that we are all like closed up right now and with the quarantine and not no tournaments i think that it should be fine with with you know the regular hot fixes and some minor patches if they go through <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh, yeah. i would say it's okay That's... okay we will I I had to pick turns for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So there's a couple of points really. So the two two expansions means that they will be more fleshed out. Um. And you know, you know that they'll be thought about. You know, they'll be thought about in a lot more detail. Presumably, the cards will be a lot better designed and everything else. And the end result will 
hopefully be better. But the thing about it is, like, are players of a, are casual players really going to notice the quality and the work that's actually been put in, or are they just going to notice the fact that there's been, the game has been stale for months? Where's my expansion? You know, like that. Like I think that's what like a lot of, a lot of casual players are, are a lot more simplistic. I think in that regard, they're just like, oh, I only play the game occasionally. Um, and I haven't heard anything new from this game in a while, and I can easily jump to another game because, again, casual players play like a bunch of different games. Um, and also that that's actually also tied into less regular patches, right? So, but the patches that they do release will be bigger and more substantial. Um, personally, I think for the more competitive player base, um the meta would actually be a lot more stable for a longer period of time, which would be more more conducive to running tournaments. But at the same time, that's not necessarily a good thing because the audience for tournaments will probably will probably drop off because they're just nothing is changing. It's if you know if it's literally just one or two or, or three decks or whatever. And um, because they're they're still they're like CDPR is still kind of tinkering with that ever you know, ever ever prevalent issue of balance because I don't think they've actually. I don't think there's actually been a balanced meta yet in this game. Period. Like, like, like maybe one that was on like it almost there, but like um, by releasing new content, you know, some people might say, "Oh, well, it makes the game harder to balance because you're constantly injecting new things." But um, I actually think it, it's like a motivator for them to to balance the game better um if they release content more regularly um so i don't know i i like that when the expansion comes out that i can look forward to something new and innovative and interesting but as somebody who you know streams the game six days a week or whatever um from my side of like side of it as a content creator i would i would prefer it like i i understand that they're a small team and that it takes them time to develop an expansion (laughs) Uh, and that they want to put more effort into these, and in all, and 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 actually, uh, Slama even said it on on this podcast that like it basically nearly killed him to to get four four expansions out in a single year. Like it was it was so so crazy. Um, so I understand it from his point of view, but um, I just think it, it, it things might get a little stale. And th- sure, they're the ones who are measuring. Like evidently, Slama is measuring all of these numbers and statistics in various degrees and so he's seeing all these results and after this year i i can you know assuming the if the journey goes well i i don't know whether the journey will be enough to hold them like hold them up sort of to the same financial level that they were at when they had four uh expansions but we'll we'll see what happens but um but yeah that there's definitely a lot to say (laughs) so those are my thoughts yeah, I honestly don't think that fi- financially speaking, the expansions were that good of a deal for CDPR. Mm. Like, like as as Trollet already said, like, Journey is now yeah. a huge uh, influx of 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 of, of revenue for CDPR. But yeah, I'll, I'll I'll let him expand on that thought uh, on his own. So uh, go ahead, Travnat. Well, it's a it's a, a really interesting period we're going through right now because even though we don't get a new expansion. In the past few months, a lot of cards changed their effect completely, which was also mm-hmm. weird because it's not its not just a, a, a balancing act. It's not changing provisions. It's just basically changing the entire uh, yeah. effect of the card. It's like Especially a mini with, expansion. With, yeah, <laughs> like, like the dwarves now, for example, with the, with the new leader abilities. 
that doesn't count like an expansion, but it did add a lot to the game. And it changed some cards for the better and some for the worse. I think dwarves more for the worse. <laughs> dwarves is, is a really good example. They're in a really weird position at the moment. Um, but other than that, indeed, financially, it's 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 also very interesting because with the expansions, they prov provided those keg packs, which were pretty expensive if you were going for. Like, for example, the 50 kegs were around 50 or 60 bucks every time. Um, and we, as partners, often get a, a bunch of those as well. And if you then open up, open those up on stream and you get like two purples and, a, and, a, and an orange, then you, you start to think, was that worth that 50 bucks? Maybe not, because it's all randomized. Again, that's the business model, but it is what it is. And now I think with Journey, you kind of get to pay more for what you get you know what you're gonna get and with the kegs it's more randomized it's a whole loot box debacle again but i'm not gonna go into that but it's uh i feel like it's more more fair towards the user that you know what you're gonna get when you lay down some money for it even with fast travel you know what you're paying for and with the kegs it's more random um because i've had another run uh, we were talking about opening kegs before um I, I had another run where i started opening about 40 kegs and i then got one purple and that was it I, it was so bad that i was i was inches away from asking on the on the discord uh, hey guys uh did something change about the, the percentage <laughs> of getting out of kegs because this doesn't feel normal i think for a long time people <laughs> thought and i'm not sure if it was actually confirmed that there's a, a pity timer uh, that was in beta, and that was a major conspiracy theory behind the kegs. But um, to kind of kind of follow up on what you said, I think we should stick to your our own terminology, and we should say that the pricing of uh, pa uh expansion kegs was interesting, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, it, it 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 was very interesting. But yeah, I I I agree with you. But to be honest, if you are an already existing player and if you manage your resources in a certain way, you are gonna have hundreds of them. Like, right right now, I'm sitting on, I think close to three hundred kegs that I'm gonna get next expansion because I have so much um uh in game currency. And oh, yeah. um, and I like tuned it as an or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Same here. And plus, you you get like 20, 20 30 kegs from CDPR as a, as a partner. So uh, yeah, I, I think my collection is gonna be full when it comes to the new expansion. It's it's even weird because since homecoming, we we all our cards were transmuted into resources, and I don't know if that if the calculation there was correct because I felt like I got way more resources than i had i kind of had the same feeling yeah because i could yeah. just make every card from the start yeah and premium too. i had 900 960,000 scraps that's what i got yeah i think i was 600,000 somewhere and now i'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm circling around 60,000 constantly so i can still make every card i want but yeah <laughs> that yeah, was a was... weird jump in Homecoming. Yeah, Homecoming was kind of crazy in that regard because um, I, I remember that I played early on and I didn't like it. And then I, at some at some point, like a few weeks after the release, um, I, I casually uh, decided to check Reddit and there was a post that uh, scraps are no longer um, going to be used to craft premiums. 
and that caused like a massive spike in, in in people playing because everyone just rushed to 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 use those crafts to craft those premiums when they can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, S- similar to the the panic with the auto mill feature. Oh yeah. oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was also a painful moment. At a... And the, and um, occasionally we would have exactly the same uh, phenomenon uh, taking place when we got full mill value for cards that yeah. um, had been reworked. Like you'd always see a post on Reddit pe- with people explaining what's the best strategy of crafting and milling to get the best value out of it. And it caused a lot yeah. of people to just you know deploy those strategies to, to get mm-hmm. even more resources from the game. Which kind of makes me think that, you know, we, we talked a lot about the journey and, uh, and, and about uh, how less rewarding it is in terms of RPs. And now, now I'm just thinking, I have 160, 170 RPs right now, and I have nothing to spend them on. Because I already got all the faction and leader trees I wanted. I already got all the seasonal trees that I wanted. And I have, like, they're, they're just sitting there. I have no idea what to do with that currency. Yeah, I yeah. think that's our position when we, because we played so much before. We have that history of all the resources we've gathered. I, make it I think it like needs to be a... something beyond, like, even beyond the journey. Like, I sort of thought about this as well. Like, like you, you kind of just, you kind of just trudge along with the journey and you finish it and you're going to finish it anyway. But there needs to be something that, like, so, so winning ranked games, right, gives you, you know, gives you reward points as well as winning casual games. But what about winning pro ladder games? Like, what if that gives you some additional little... I've, I've thought about this for the last few months. Because, like, a lot of the time I feel like you work, you work so much harder to win a game at twenty five at 2.5k MMR with, like, whatever, Skelegar or something, than you do to win, you know, a casual a casual game. And you're getting roughly... The, you're getting basically the same amount. So I always feel like there should have been something more to... Like, once you've got your collection and you've finished your reward book and you've got your hundreds of thousands of scraps or kegs or whatever it is and you're just sitting there for it's basically expansion waiting room like yeah uh, so there needs to be something more you can invest your like even the journey is as i say you'll just complete it anyway um Mm -hmm. everyone's on the same playing field if they all buy the premium thing yeah we need Uh, a proper currency sync in this game um yeah i don't know like uh this it's just it's missing it it just feels like I don't have a carrot you know to chase like a lot of the time, and it, it would just be yeah, nice to yeah have. once again it it reminds me of that one Spiro video that he posted a few months ago where he said okay you you get to pro what now if you're a super competitive player, you're gonna try to get to the qualifiers et cetera if you're not what now there is there is like once you reach your vague goals of reaching this rank or getting to pro or whatever. There's nothing else for you to do. Mm-hmm. Like, even even the journey doesn't really give you that many options. Like, so, I, I think there are quests that are bound to like equipping certain microtransactions. These are minor things, and they are not very no. clear. No, they're they're completely hidden. If I, I I didn't know about them until somebody was showing them <laughs> to me, because they're really well hidden in the contracts. Um, yeah. Yeah. Those contracts are really complicated anyway. I, yeah. I look at them like everyone always complains to me on my channel about how I just like completely ignore all questing and contracts of any kind. But I'm just like, but look at how many there are. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the whole fun. And, and, by, and then there was a thing, uh, 
somebody asked me about a while ago, which is that um uh do I do I actually have a thousand wins on every faction uh, except Syndicate? And uh I, I actually didn't think I did. And and I told Bandit Gang for my profile that I had a thousand wins in every faction except Syndicate. And then I actually checked and I was like, oh I actually do, but that's because I've been playing a stupidly large amount of yeah. time. It's not because I'm like super skilled or whatever. <laughs> you know but um yeah yeah so, but like i wasn't aiming for it either yeah I, I, I would say my faction shit is kind of different Nilfgaard. <laughs> yeah it's, it's basically a few wins here a few wins there but because of arena and then 2k something with Nilfgaard. <laughs> interesting and then it's, it's not even yeah. close it's not even close i like honestly other than the quests that we now we have to do for um the journey i haven't touched other factions months yeah like do you remember like i won i won the most i got the i, I clocked up the most most number of wins with monsters when uh gurney was at its peak so you remember when arcaspor was thrive and death wish and uh the card was just bonkers really uh like so that was the first time i ever got to pro rank as well uh in in homecoming is and i, I just I, I i got like i played that deck a ridiculous amount that month and i got like 400 wins with it or something in, in a month <laughs> uh so then that's why my monsters one is at like 1700 and then the other ones are down at like kind of 1200 or whatever but um ah those were the days when monsters used to be good <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it, it's all about the reworks which is actually our next question i think oh yeah that's right that's right so bring uh, it on we know that in some games, uh, like the developers are doing some sort of reprints and reworks of the cards. And I'm, well, I'm not sure. I'm just, I want to know your opinion. If we have like the enough amount of cards that we can start doing some reworks. And what do you think, what, what kind of cards would you like to see reworked as well? Ooh, that's a good question. Juicy. Mm. I, I feel like- Not dwarfs. Prepared answers. <laughs> we get a lot of reworks already uh, that we don't necessarily ask for. Um, but the the one I uh, the one I still miss from before Sabbath that was just a crazy card. You, you are cutting you are cutting out, but I think you were talking about beta. In we got Sabbath. Sabbath. Yeah, that's all we needed. <laughs> that's yeah, all we needed. Exactly. The, the original Imbergit Sabbath was awesome, and it was overpowered. Definitely, I don't know if you remember what it did. I, I oh, do God, remember. Yeah. And I, Sealed I, every turn. I would, I I, I <laughs> wish I could erase that from my memory. <laughs> And then like... just crazy to say, okay, you can duel and then you double it, but it was not, not double, but it was, oh, it wasn't it was double. Two, arm, two armor. Two armor, two actually. I was just... No, heal, heal self by two and then two armor every turn and yeah. just keep going. Essentially, it was a Mandrake check. If you had Mandrake in your, in your hand, you won the game. Yeah. If you didn't, oh, you yeah. lost the game. It was base power. Yeah, no, um... I'm. I'm actually. I wanted to make a, an official official statement of how happy I am that Elias finally is an actual useful card because it is, you know, indisputably the best premium in the game, uh, <laughs> and, and people actually get to use it in an elf deck now. It used to be complete garbage, whereas now, like, you see it everywhere, and it's just like it was interesting. And and to be honest, it. Okay, you can say it's a useful card now. It was kind of meme last before the rework, but Elias has been at its best in beta. Thick uh, Elias swap. Was it the Mulligan thing? Yeah, it, it was Swapatel. Oh yeah. I th that's an archetype I I, I miss. <laughs> like of course there was like 
when we are talking about um the the Morgan slash swap archetype, we we had you know the the unconditional carryover that would prevent uh dry passing. That was bullshit. That was bullshit. That was bullshit. Like, <laughs> let, let's be about that. But everything else, like using you no know, thick girl and thick Elias, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. And you had so much cards just just designed to thin your deck to get to yeah. Elias and Geralt. That yeah, you just that, draw them back again when you mulligan. Yeah, that, that that you know that was the the risk of drawing all that all that trash was real. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, what else? Old, um, old reveal as well. It's really weird that now we still have a few reveal cards, but they just show you the card yeah. for a second and then put it back. Rework spotter. Like, yeah. like that, I was gonna mention spotter, right? Like, yeah. So, like, there's, there's just relics, right? And, and actuals, like, some actually said this as well that they prefer to work on new cards than to rework old ones. Like, he just straight up said that in, in a, de <laughs> in a dev stream a while ago, and I was like, you should really admit that because you're basically saying that you're gonna leave all of these bronzes that were, you know, potentially could potentially be nice. And think of the people who designed, who did the artwork for those. You know, yeah. like the artwork, you, it's just gonna be wasted. You know, you're not gonna get to see it, the premium. Uh, animation for spotter or whatever it is it's just gonna sit there like you can very easily rework that card to do something to do with current uh you know current archetypes mm -hmm. it doesn't even need, it doesn't need to just completely change it but just make it useful um but then you look at a card like um is it safe hunter like i prefer the old version of that card oh like, yeah and they reworked it and now it's just boring to damage assimilate whatever but i like i like that the risk reward thing of like Charming the lowest unit and then trying to make the lowest yeah. unit like a seven or something. Yeah. Uh, at least five so units, I think, right? It was four. four. But, the, four. Yeah. But, but people swarm rows all that they they row stack yeah. all the time now. So like, and if you imagine playing that against like boost NR, like you just yeah, just you could steal like a, even if you stole like a five, it, it would it would still be really good. It'd be like an eleven for five. Yeah, I would like say that. that was the main reason why they changed the card, because they could foresee that Swarm is gonna be a thing. So yeah, leaving maybe. that in there was was kind of risky. But I agree maybe. with you. Yeah. Like, to a certain degree, I agree with what you what you said, because on one hand, I, I also understand CDPR, they don't want to rework all the existing cards, because you also have to appreciate the effort that went into designing them. But on the other hand, mm -hmm. we have relics of archetypes that no longer exist. Yeah, and they so rework like, cards. They rework other cards that don't necessarily need a rework. Like Xavier Moran is. It was a fun card. That was a good card, and now they, for some reason, change it to just one boost if it has armor. Okay. I really like the interaction head. Before. Yeah, what about what about um? What about let's see now. Yarpen. You got cheating, to know Yarpen. I opened up my Gwen client to look. Saskia, right? Saskia, not not yeah. the not the dragon, yeah. but the, the non-dragon. Like that card is completely like it completely pirate crap now by everything else. Like mm -hmm. um if you run like a singleton harmony deck, you could potentially put her in there, but there's just better cards, right? Like there's just no reason to yeah. Burza herself. Like, <laughs> yeah, rework Burza. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's crazy. Yeah, too, honestly, it's like a tradition in my in my in my channel that every now and then we review the Nilfgaard cards to just just to remind people of how bad they mostly are, and I I think right now around eighty five to ninety percent of bronzes in Nilfgaard are just trash. They're either power yeah. crept or they are relics of archetypes that no longer exist in the game. Yep. Yeah. Um. And every single patch when because they they rework a few cards every every single time and every single patch I'm like 
please, please, at least a few cards. <laughs> maybe spoiler, you know, maybe this one, maybe that one. It's just, just a few cards. Yeah. Yeah. Every single time I, during dev stream, I say in chat, in before Slama says, this time around, we haven't touched Nilfgaard that much. And every single time he says it, it's like, oh yeah, um, uh, Nilfgaard, yeah, we only, we only changed the provisions of this one, this one card. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, really guys, really? It's been, oh, you haven't touched the faction since that original rework shortly after Homecoming. Well, that's because they they determined that the the five P soldier thing, whatever it's called, the two damage with two armor, like they uh, determined that that card is the is the you know unequivocally best bronze in Nilfgaard, and they don't need to create it. They don't need to change yeah, it. The, the Artvian, the Artvian uh, cavalry. Yeah, like it's just it. The card is just insane. Like uh, as a bronze, it's just it's kind of got a little bit of everything. And it's it's a good um, card, like, but it's it's a good design because you can also counter it very easily. Yeah, like for example, if you're playing recruit, there is no reason to play combat engineer ever, right? Even, even oh yeah, combat still... engineer doesn't ex that exists for no reason at all. Yeah, like why is it why is it there? Like, um, it's very strange and like yeah, there's there's a lot of cards like that in in Nilfgaard. Yeah, there's there's so many like there's so many just completely redundant things. Like they did say spies were going to be prominent in the next expansion, so I'd be inclined not to rework any of the spy cards. I just leave them because like. Gonna, I mean, like, sometimes yeah. sometimes people call for changes where those are not needed. For example, uh, Vatier, like, it's it's a good card in terms of design. It's it's high risk, high reward. Yeah. And I I understand that not all the people are playing it. That's fine. Le but leave it be. It's a good card. It's a good design. Don't touch it. But there is like really cards like Combat Engineer, Spoiler, etc. That are just bad. Or you have cards that are have that are interesting when it comes to the, their design but are simply power crap like like Vrygev and frame d yep they they need yep. you know either a provision cut or a power boost i totally uh... forgot about slave infantry yeah it got it got uh nuked to oblivion it just disappeared yeah because it, that doesn't uh, it's it's for power now and yeah. that's the root of the problem because how many you in basically they are what five provisions i think four for mm -hmm. five so yeah, yeah you I are mostly gonna break even. Entry. So it's gonna be five for five. But on the other yeah. hand, quite often you are just either losing points or you're not getting getting any value. And I think that the average for a good card, good bronze card, at this value is seven for five. And here it's you have right, yeah. and, and here you have conditional five for five. It's just completely yeah. power crept. Yeah. yeah, no, it's and like it's even it's even it's not even to do it necessarily the points, but it's to do the general pacing of we'll say round one, which is normally when you try to dump bronze. Like you're literally just like look like look at a look at a card like um what's the name of that guy? The Alba Pikeman, right? Like that, that card in theory is not terrible, but no unless you're playing again a singleton, like a sheep deck or a day or whatever, you're not gonna play it. Like you're just you're just not. Yeah. Because again, the bronze is very, just better. Very easy to play around. It's basically worse yeah. uh uncreate longship. Yeah. yeah. It, it's it's conditional. Yeah. Uncreate look at it that way. Both are row locked. Un longship has one more armor on top, so it's already better. Plus you can get m more than one point per turn on longship if if your opponent plays something like Artorius or whatever whatever card that plays two cards at once. Yeah, there's actually no reason not to give Pikeman one armor like in, in, by that logic. Um like just to make it similar because they've tried to do that across multiple factions before like uh, there was a recent patch where what did they do um 
you know the way oh yeah that the glennis right so they 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 basically make glennis the same as uh as percival yeah. um in terms of removability so they gave it two armor instead of three so like that sort of that sort of parallel patching we can call it is like pretty common i think um because otherwise you're just sort of saying well what makes this card more specialized um it's assimilate two versus uh versus harmony two like it's it's the it's the same card, different factions. So yeah, it's it's like, basically the Unga concept of old, that that factions yeah. have, you know, their equivalents of of certain uh, cards and, and archetypes. But I think yeah, I think but... it's in, instead of being salty about what hasn't been reworked or what has been reworked, um, I think we can be salt, salty about something else, and that's the current meta because um, uh, here we hidden, go, hidden, here we go, guys. I think it's a topic <laughs> everyone was waiting for, and that's the hidden cash. On on a scale from one to ten, how surprised are you that hidden cash is dominating every corner of Gwen right now? Um, zero. Minus one. Yeah, minus one. <laughs> <laughs> like, where do I like? Can, can I go first with this? Because yeah, I, I have on. some really salty points about this. <laughs> um, so a lot of people present an argument to me about hidden cash and say that the reason the reason it's broken is. Like is related is actually related to the coins and not to the horde. It's the fact that both of them are together. So either of them on their own would not be that great. Like first of all, if it was three coins around, well, there's already a leader that's better than that. So we don't need we don't need that. Um, but if it was only horde on its own, it would actually be okay. But they would have to give it a fairly high amount of provisions. They didn't give it like one six seven or something because it, it's just horde. But together, it's just like. It's unbelievably ridiculous. Like you can play, you can play that four provision bronze with three profit, you know, and then you play your leader, and you've already got your flying Redanian turn one, and you're sitting on six coins. Like your opponent basically is already at a huge disadvantage. And where Horde was supposed to be designed as a specialist mechanic, where you're supposed to actually plan a couple of turns ahead and actually plan your spending. Now um as Lionheart actually correctly pointed out a, a few streams ago he was saying that like it's kind of like the noob leader ability for newer players like you can just sort of win with it and you know peaches might as well just say boost self by one every turn because effectively mm -hmm. it does you know um Saul might as well be at, at, at minimum a six for seven and then normally with it with a massive upside you know um there's absolutely and then and then things even things like the the dire mutated hound like that's just completely fallen out of favor there's no reason to play it anymore because Saul is just cheaper and better <laughs> you know it's and that card used to be amazing i i had that in every deck and you're just sort of thinking um what the hell happened and like uh, i don't know it's even changing the numbers to two in each case i i don't know necessarily i haven't done the math on it but i still don't feel like it would fix a lot of the problems it's just like you, you, you have. The, I used to have this opinion of Syndicate, where if they run out of coins, you kind of have a you kind of have a chance or whatever. But they never run out of coins now until the very end because they can just sit on all of their hordes and boost everything up, and and then just spend at the end or when they when they need to. So it feels like they always have something in the bank, um, and yeah, the, the, it's not like it's entirely unbeatable. Like they are vulnerable to being like pushed and stuff and um everything else but <sighs> serious oversight with that leader ability all right that, that's yeah. it that's all i got for now i think the craziest <laughs> part about it is um 
everyone who saw that Lydia Brody for the first time knew it's gonna be crazy. It's not. It's not like, oh, we we didn't see the the possible consequence of implementing that ability into the game. It was like, I got to see it, and I was like, this is crazy. I showed it to Villa. Villa was like, holy fuck, everyone is gonna be playing it. This is absolutely insane. We showed it on the podcast. Everyone's like, this is just stupidly overpowered, and and they still went on with their plan. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the best part about it that everyone was telling everyone along the way was telling them, this is crazy. Do it, it down it, when you can. It feels like, like Weevil says, it's like the, the... Because you basically take away half of, the, of what makes Syndicate unique. Because normally you need to balance your gains in coins and then your spending in coins. So you're always working at least for most of the, most of the time on multiple turns to set up and then to execute on your, on your coin spending. And now it's just, okay, you just play whatever card that has Horde and it just generates points for free and you don't need to check your spending anymore because as, as, as we've already pointed out correctly you can just get some coins and then just sit on it until you need you need them eventually or maybe just not at all yeah exactly it's it's absolutely crazy the only remedy is killing their spenders but even in that case they just go Luisa Savala and that's still like 23 points and two cards yeah, um, yeah Luisa Savala was already controversial when it was released the problem, I think, is that Horde was perfectly balanced as it was. The prerequisites of most of the cards were fine. Yeah. But because of the ability, you just basically cut the requirement. For most of the cards, you just remove the requirement. For the Peaches, I think it's only one coin anymore you need to just have yep. it generating. Yep, and then yep. Soul generates one for free anyway. And then two or three, depending on how, many, how much you have. It's just... And there's way too many of them. You can indeed try to destroy them, but there's way too many of them yeah. you can jam. And that, yeah. that's basically the problem as well. And yeah, you, you have can't a turn touch the with it, otherwise you're you're screwed. <laughs> let me let me put it that way. If you have Peach's soul and God forbid uh the seductresses on the board, you can as well just pass with some cards in your hand and I don't know, go grab some coffee. And the odds are you're still winning that game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're getting like five, four, four, uh, four to six points a turn by just sitting there. Like, yeah, plus you get more you're points. You're basically getting the value of a bronze, an average bronze card, by just sitting there. <laughs> so. Yeah, because your only option is to either lock or destroy those units. Yeah, you they, are, they are not every time. You can't touch the coins because those are off limits. So that's the, the prerequisite you can't touch, which in most cases you can touch. And none of those those cards are row locked anyway, so you can't move them either. You can, but it won't make any difference. Yeah, because the idea Sunday. behind Syndicate was um, the faction, outside of a few patches, was notoriously difficult to play. So people accepted the fact that it's often tier one because it requires the the the, the skill level required to play the faction is much higher than, let's say, when it comes to um, Scoia'tael, like the popular Scoia'tael decks or popular Anar decks. And, and and now they just took it away. Like they already did a step in that direction when they added Luisa Savola because before that, uh, in the short round, uh, Syndicate was not that great. Not now they great, are. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And now you have this uh, leader ability, so everyone can play it. Do you think it's any coincidence that they added initiative to both Igni and Scorch right when this leader comes out? Because 
<laughs> like score like precision strike would absolutely like screw this deck over. Like I think you, you just line up your Igni and is you it, just burn isn't their Igni whole broken row. in the first place? As in it, it's it's not doing what it's supposed to? Well, I think they kind of just forgot to give him a, a base ability. Yeah. Which he doesn't have anymore. Scorch still has. I think Scorch still destroys the highest units. Yeah. But it's the highest unit units. initiative units. Yeah. And, and, and Igni and, just doesn't get that. So if you don't play it on initiative, it's two points and that's it. Yeah. I remember playing on, in the season though, and I draw my opponent's Igni and I was like, well, what do I do with it? Nothing because I already played the card beforehand. Yeah. Same with, with like, you can't take it over with, with the hand gate sword anymore because you lose. Yeah, because you already played the card. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so kind of broke a few interesting interactions, which could be refined, but I think it's going to make it too complicated. I really liked Scorch and Igni the way the, the way they were. Yeah, because yeah. it like you were you were you were playing something and you thought, oh oh, I'm I'm getting into the Scorch or Igni department. Like I'm I'm slowly getting into that territory, and even though those cards were not extremely popular you still thought about it and it was mm -hmm. nice it was like okay i need to play around it even though the odds are my opponent is not playing it now they kind of took it away because you know okay this this one this one card is one off so there's no way they can they can do something about it yeah there's also some nostalgia involved of course because it's the card that yeah. represents gwent <laughs> and yeah it's kind of sad but yeah it's, it's, it's a decision it's, it's... It's often the case the cards that represent certain, you know, expansions or the official release are just notoriously bad. Uh, really? <laughs> I mean, all, most. Radea uh, was an exception. Oh yeah, I mean that had, that had its time in the sun. Oh yeah, just like triple siege tier. Oh no! Oh, uh, oh triple siege. <laughs> I think I feel like BJ is supposed to show up in chat any moment now. You summoned him. Uh, I wouldn't count on it, but we'll we'll see. Yeah, I wouldn't count on it either, but you never know. Um, no, but I I can I can represent him as its ambassador or one of its ambassadors, you know. So, uh, all I can say is I do I do miss it. I got to two point five k with NR with Triple Siege, and you know, uh, it was it was a nice feeling. And uh, I owe it all to basically just drawing siege every round or every round one. <laughs> and uh, like, if you don't if you don't draw it, uh, and you don't draw your mat, you don't draw your mata, you basically have to use your leader ability in round one on blue coin, and you still win the match. It's just <laughs> it's just great. <laughs> it was it was amazing. Okay, guys, before we get really nostalgic about things Good that should have not been in this game. I think it's it's a good moment to move to the next question. Yeah, go on. Yeah, so talking about the hidden cash and the other leaders' abilities, <clears throat> what do you think how we could, for example, change them? Should we like tune up the other leaders' abilities as mostly like other players um suggest? Or should we just nerf down, for example, the hidden cash? We were like Weevil was talking about tuning down the hidden cash a bit. That wouldn't solve the problem probably, right? But what about the other leader's abilities? Yeah, I've seen I've, I've seen someone in chat saying imposter seventeen provisions when. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's a good idea. 
the ceiling on that 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 is a sleep uh, that leader is a, such a sleeper like the ceiling on that on that leader is insane like i know it's matchup dependent but jesus like i seized a 24 point bincy like last week and like <laughs> with uh with vatier and that was just ridiculous like um and it was all thanks to my leader like i was able to set, set it up in such a way and I don't think it'll ever be 17 provisions, but I, I 14 or 15, maybe. Yeah, I, like I actually really, really like that leader. According honestly. to the health fix that never happened, it was supposed to be bumped to 14. 14, yeah. They were all going up one provision, I think, and then hidden cash was down. I think, I think, uh, I think yeah. Uprising was also nerfed by one. Yeah. I'll have to see. I, I like all the new ability. I think <laughs> the only one that, that doesn't really... Well, it doesn't really strike me as too interesting as the Dwarves one, the Mahakam Forge. The other yeah. ones all have interesting plays. Like Uprising is, is yeah, I think everybody, that's the, that's the other deck you see the most, I think, aside oh, from yeah. uh, Hidden Cash. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then what, we, what do we have? Blaze of Glory. I play a lot of Blaze of Glory lately, and it is really fun. Even though it's not super competitive, it is very fun to just slam Jutta from the deck. Oh no, another one saying Jutta. <laughs> I, th I think in the, Witcher th in the Witcher 3 her name is pronounced Yuta. Yuta, yeah. I apologize. So the, just the, the 12 points hit that you can dish out and then <laughs> get her back out of the graveyard <laughs> with Sigurdrif uh, Alzeit. Probably mispronounced that as well. It's no, just, it's, 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 it's just a fun, a fun finisher, even though it's not always the, 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 the most competitive thing to play with. Um, and what else did I miss then? From ah, the overwhelming hunger is just all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's nothing new. I haven't really. touched it. I haven't it, touched it at all. It is. It I've, I've played. I've played overwhelming hunger with Blood Moon, and it is just really, really fun because you you finally have a good way to fires. Um. Because Blood Moon always had the problem that you only get the points at the start of your turn, so your opponent always has a turn to remove one or two vampires before you get the, the points from yeah Blood Moon. yeah yeah which is i i feel like something that they should change that you get the the positive effects from weather effects on this on the end of your turn and not on the start of your turn but yeah it, it does give you a bit more control over the amount of vampires on the field and three free consumes oh yeah yeah um i haven't tried yet but i am <laughs> i'm kind of curious like i mean if if, if i were going for like my favorite monsters deck is the Kiki Queen, is the Kiki Queen deck. But um, the other leader ability, the what's it called, the where you create a copy of a unit or whatever, I think that's still better, like for Queen. Um, so that's still my go-to. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I, I would like to try it. Like it kind of feels like the, the more Deathwish <laughs> units they release, the better it will become. Um, like more kind of ta like tailored to towards that specific leader. But um, it just feels like they had well it was unseen elder back in the day who had the three consumes i think but like um it feels like they had that ability in the past they they changed the death wish leader yeah that's and then they added, added it back the old one basically mm -hmm. just sort of tick the box I oh think yes that's, that's kind of how it feels like i agree yeah and it, yeah the only difference <clears throat> is that you now replace it instead of just keeping the unit alive i think the original one was just trigger the death wish of a single unit. I thought that was a great leader ability, honestly. Yeah, it was, a, it was a really fun leader ability. And now it just removes that. So the difference is, is that you now can't use 
twice, which you could with the, the original. Oh yeah, shadow. yeah, no, that, that's correct. Because it disappears and turns into an Ekimaru for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I really agree with uh, with all that. Um, you know, all, all of them should be playable. Like, uh, yeah, Mahakaman Forge is kind of. So so I I don't really see much use. Uh, it's, it's just yeah meh I would say, but I agree with that. Imposter is a sleeper. Like, if the meta is right for imposter, oh god, that's gonna be a lot of points. Because the initial reaction was this is broken, because people thought like imagine all the Damians right. But <laughs> well yeah you know, that is a, that no, is no, a point. <laughs> yeah, Nilfgaard Mirror has always been a very special experience. Because for so, for some reason Nilfgaard work, works uh, the best against Nilfgaard, but yeah, if the if the meta is right and uh, and if you if you can somehow secure your 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 Vatier to to work, oh boy, a lot of points. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um... But yeah, uh, as we already said, the, they did decide to change the leader abilities a little bit, right? And we have this quote-unquote failed hotfix that they hyped up, they said it's happening, and it's, I, I saw Buja saying that, I saw uh, Slama saying that it's happening, we are doing this, and then for some reason, like a few hours later, we had a technical issue preventing them from rolling that out, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I see that Weevil is not satisfied with that explanation. <laughs> Air quotes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So, what was your opinion how it was handled? Yeah, uh, it it feels the problem is we 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 have. I know it's a dangerous uh, territory. Um, yeah, because on on even as as a as my background as a developer, it feels like it's just changing a couple of numbers, changing the trees from hidden cache to two, and then changing the provision in the other direction. But yeah, you never know if there there might have been a real technical issue. Um, maybe on one of the platforms, we don't know. Um, but it was a weird situation. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. On the one hand, I, I don't know. Like, I honestly don't know. Like, um, I felt like somebody went and and said it to them, or or, or somebody in the in the kind of the pro base or whatever and then they they sort of decided to just like 180 I, I, there's no way to tell honestly and uh for us it just means you know dealing with hidden cash for another however many days but yeah it's it's, it's on the one hand, two more it, weeks it, i think yeah like on the one hand it's least, nice yeah. that it, that if they do implement the changes that are listed there that we know what's coming you know so like that that is like okay and presumably additional changes on top of that because like that was just a hotfix right this this would be a proper a proper patch but um um it wasn't i think pr wise like I, I used to work in marketing and stuff and i do i kind of knew a little bit about it but like pr wise i think it was could have been yeah it could have been done better it just felt like regardless of how they tried to hide it that it, it felt like that they that they did sort of you know step back and say like you know you need to be very careful about when you release things that you, you know that it's yeah i don't know it was a strange one considering it was only 40 something like 43 minutes after the original post I think it was like forty something minutes. Yeah, it, yeah, would, it might have been. It was in a very short sequence. Yeah, it's like, how did you have technical issues within forty minutes when it was fine forty minutes before? You know, so I don't know. 
So, I mean, it, it might have been an effect of, of just having that open communication. They maybe jumped the ball a little bit too soon to say, hey, we're going to do this. Um, it's something that you come across during development constantly that you think, hey, this, this works. You tell it to the customer and he gets it in their hands and they're, five minutes later, it's broken. <laughs> <laughs> that, that happens so i, I definitely sand. It, it can it can definitely happen um but it seems simple enough but yeah again we don't know how how it's how it's built how the the uh the game is is, is structured so yeah we don't know what the impact I, is i, I, I like think that. we shouldn't assume any bad intentions of course no not. but um it's definitely a feels batman moment for them because Communication as a concept has been, you know, the talk of the town for a while now. And time after time, they have the best intentions to communicate more, make changes uh, more accessible and easier to understand for, 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 for the audience. And then it somehow always backfires. Like, for example, we had, um, uh, you know, Sam on the podcast, and, and he was talking a lot about how they want to change that moving forward. We had some clarification on the meteorite power changes, and then we had the journey that, on one hand, everyone was excited about, on the other hand, it required Excel um, spreadsheet to understand. So people were like, "Well, the, the communication on 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 that specific topic wasn't that great." And then you know, we had an an example of amazing communication by. By, by Slama just explaining things using numbers and, and data they, they 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 have, and now they 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 saw the problem with the leaders and they they wanted to change it. They announced it on a lot of platforms, and then forty three minutes later, as as we've already said, oh guys, this is not gonna work. So mm -hmm. I, I I really feel like whenever they're they're trying to improve something, something stops them from doing so. Yeah. But to move to a more positive topic, we have we have some 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 changes that I think Hesser knows a little bit more about. Yeah, we get some matchmaking changes, right? And these matchmaking changes, I think they are much better than this failure with the hotfix. And uh, we know that currently um, the players are mm, gonna be matched according to not only their level but also their prestige level. So we are not be able to slaughter some noobs anymore. So uh, what do you, what do you think? Does it will it address all of the issues that we got that we had before? What do you think I'm, about these changes? I'm hoping it doesn't cause longer delays when trying to match make in a seasonal, but I don't oh, yeah. think it will since in ranked that, that usually flows pretty well. Um, but it might cause some depending on how high level you. Are, I can imagine that if they look at the level of prestige, that it could take quite some time if you're a very high level player. To find another it depends on how they implement it of course how much the how big the difference can be and how far that skews towards the end of the, the prestige yeah phase. i feel like the prestige thing will be will be weighted like it i don't think it should be weighted necessarily that like i don't know i think i think it should be based on a, a more kind of like you're uh, for example somebody could come into the game and play it for a month and a half and be in the top 100 just because they're prolifically talented or whatever it mm -hmm. is yeah. And just because they're not at, and but if they match against a prestige one player, uh, then that person is not going to be at that level, presumably. Uh, if they're if they're not if they're not playing in pro ladder, for example, if they're playing in seasonal, as you say. Um, so like, I feel like it should be more based on like win rate or something. Like it it would be a nice way to do it because if somebody is 
or their M or their MMR if they're in pro pro, pro rank, you know, their MMR yeah. is like 10k. Although that you're talking about match queue times, like <laughs> you'd be like, well, who's playing in like on the last day of pro pro ladder right before a challenger event? Like who's playing in seasonal mode right now? Who's 10k MMR? Nobody. <laughs> so like, um, but yeah, no, it it is nice to see honestly, but because uh, I I don't I I don't intentionally try and like. Like half the time when I play in casual, I, I just see people trying to complete quests. Like there was a dude just playing um oh, he was playing like I was saying boosting a certain number of units or something, or but he's like literally just neutrals. playing. Yeah, he was playing Wyvern Scale Shield and stuff, and I was just like <laughs> Yeah, it was like cool. And then I, I actually was like just like I, I helped him complete his quest because I kept playing my cards so that he could play his cards uh and, and, and kind of interact with things and whatever. And I was like, Yeah, have happy to help you out, but um i wasn't intentionally trying to like pub stomp as the term used to be called in like call of duty lobbies and stuff um but it is nice it is nice to see <laughs> yeah but does it really address the issue because i think and we, we we talked about it yesterday i think for the majority of new players seasonal still seems like the go-to mode it kind of seems like okay this is where i'm supposed to play oh yeah this misperception like e even a guy i encountered last week uh iris like i can no longer call myself the only irish gwen stream which is sad because uh, this guy also <laughs> streams gwen now um but yeah he came to me uh uh initially because i was the other irish person whatever and he was like yeah you know what should i be doing and stuff he's like it feels weird you know coming from hearthstone uh seasonal seems like it doesn't quite seem like a normal kind of ranked type thing i was like that's because you should you, you should be playing classic and he was like oh okay now i understand and and i kind of feel like it's in the middle you know it's sort of i explained to as soon as i explained to him i was like tavern brawl he's like oh of course so seasonal is tavern brawl classic is um classic is classic you know um but yeah i, I can understand how you could you can make you can misinterpret that um but yeah, I mean, it seems it seems elementary to me, but that's only because I've been playing it for so long. But uh, the parallels are in other card games too, so it's not like it's completely new territory for to have a special rule set that like rotates. Um, yeah, yeah, because the 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 positioning positioning of Arena is actually better in that case because it's clear that it's a separate game mode. Yeah. Well, now you first go into play, and then the first thing you see is seasonal, which is not representative for the base game because it always has a custom rule set yeah because and also makes sense where it, it it's called seasonal so you'd imagine there's like ranked seasons you know yeah, or yeah. It's like yeah maybe it would be better to just call it special mode <laughs> special for the special or, or, people for the special people or, or just or just ar arcade <laughs> like like overwatch does arcade yeah feels like because it sounds less than now cl classic sounds like it's the old thing yeah and that's, I think, the biggest problem. If you call yeah. seasonal arcade or something like that, so it sounds older than, yeah. What do you? What would you use? I feel like it should, should just be quick match, but and then because you have that toggle to toggle and untoggle uh, ranked mode anyway. So why yeah. is that just called quick match? That's the term quick that play. every single game quick uses. Play. Competitive. Quick play. Yeah. <laughs> Select your hero. I mean deck. <laughs> classic seems like a mode. If you if you just look at it from a distance, classic seems like a mode where you can only play with the base card game, uh, the base game cards. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, really? I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Mm. 
it's the classic mode. <laughs> so instead, I, I would almost, almost say that instead of actually solving the problem, they, 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 they try to go around it and, and do something that doesn't need doing. Because really, just change the name of names of, of those modes and most of these new players are not going to play Zizno anyway. So the, these matchmaking changes will be obsolete, I would feel like. Yeah, I think if, if, you, if you stay away from the fact that people might be confused about what seasonal or what classic is, I think it still makes it better if you know what seasonal is and you're a new player. Yeah, yeah of course, it makes it better, but I would rather, a, a I would rather have them you know, make it clear now and then maybe look into matchmaking rather than the other way around. Yeah, indeed. But mm -hmm. again, yeah, priorities is oh yeah what they feel like is is their priority. Well, there's there's one priority they like that's been around for a while, and that's that Pavel Buja needed support as the community manager, and he finally got it. Ryan Godrick joining nice, nice CDPR. Segment. How cool is that, guys? I've I've known Ryan for ages. What a guy! Yeah, he's he's amazing. Yeah, he definitely definitely deserves it. It's uh, really cool to see somebody kind of like move camps, but it's <laughs> it just makes sense. Um, I mean, are are you trying to imply that he's no longer one of us? No, no <laughs> I just mean it's it's. It, it kind of feels like he goes to the other. It's not it, it's not a matter of sight. Might have missed. He's just our man on the other side, it. right? So there we go. Yeah, he's our he's our insider now. Yeah. Yeah, man. He's like our he's like your local politician. He's like, uh, any <laughs> yeah. concerns or issues you want me to deal with? <laughs> yeah, he's our door. man. He's our man now. Like yeah. I can I can Im like the moment they announced it, I can imagine his 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 mailbox or what whatever platform he's using being completely full with requests. I I love yeah. this, this his announcement. Well, not announcement. Reaction it was so down to earth. Like. I had a really hard time keeping this to myself. That was the first thing he said. Yeah. yeah I can I can that. only imagine how it felt for him because he's probably mm -hmm. known it for months. I've known for I've known this particular thing for a couple of weeks. And it was hard for me to keep it to myself as well because I was like do like Jason told me and he told, you know, Blindheart and Tia and everyone who was around at the time. And I felt like do I should I go to Ryan and congratulate him now, mm -hmm. or or should I keep it to myself for the time being? Like when I'm when I'm talking about with communication problems within CDPR, should I mention it to anyone? Is it like a hidden leak that I should really, you know, uh, keep uh, keep to myself for the time being? So in in the end, I decided okay, I'm not gonna tell anyone about that, and we see how it develops. But I was really wondering like, how quick, how much time it's gonna take for for CDPR to actually announce it, and it, it took around a month after I heard it. But I can only imagine how difficult it was for him. Like, you know this, and you know, it's something you are very eager to announce. Because for me, it was just a rumor, like, you know, a, a leak of sorts. But it did, mm -hmm. for him, it was, I'm, I'm working for the company I, I always dreamed of working for. And I'm, I can't tell anyone. That's gonna yeah, sound like, like that, that's really... What I was gonna ask about like the the structure in in that organization because it seems like like they had several community managers at one point, um, 
but there's I presume there's community manager for CDPR and then there's community manager for for Gwen specifically. Because I, I remember at one point that there was was Alicia and and Bouja were both community managers. Yeah. Yeah, um, except except Bouja was senior and she was junior, I think. Yeah. yeah. So what does that make? What happens now then? Does Alicia uh, my else, thinking or? is that she also manages um other communities, not only Gwent. And and, mm. and Ryan is strictly Gwent. Right, right. I think that's okay. that's how it was explained yesterday. Cool. But I'm super happy. He's gonna be on the dev streams then. Oh, uh, he should be. He should be. I mean, <laughs> it's it's not a leap because I haven't talked to him yet. But holy shit, I'm totally talking to him about being on the podcast. <laughs> no, to- yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's really it's really good. It's 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 fine. Like it's great to. Like Bouja is like a, is absolutely amazing, and he's doing a really good job and stuff. But it's so nice now to have as as well as him, like a, you know, one of one of the people, you know, the yeah. people who are streaming Gwent and climbing Pro Ladder and just like grinding it out and stuff. And obviously, it's been a few months since he's he's done much of that. But he's he's I think he's doing a PhD or something, is he? Uh, as well, I don't know, uh, Ryan Godrick. But um, either way, he was busy with other things. But he was he was part of the community, and we all got to know him super well. And you know, Team Artuza and everything yeah. else. And, yeah, it's it feels just, really good, it's just really and I think he's gonna yeah. be an amazing fit for Pavel. Might, might be just my own, uh, you know, observations, but uh, I had the yeah. opportunity to to talk to both of them, and they, they it, it seems like there is something more going on than just you know coworkers, colleagues. Like they are good friends. I think I feel like. Oh, is this Ash? What what what, what, <laughs> what what about Ash? I thought you were talking about Ash there. So you cut out, and then I. Oh, I did cut out. No, I I I said that I feel like um, Ryan is gonna be a great fit for, for for Pavel because it seems like they are friends and not only colleagues. Okay, I think cool. to manage a community, it's always handy to have the backup just in case something happens to either one of them. Yeah, um, and yeah, he he seems like the perfect guy to do that. Yeah. I wonder if Ryan cycles. They could totally go on like <laughs> ma- I don't know marathons. Marathon uh, runs. Well. Maybe maybe he. Do- I know that Panda does. Panda oh, does. Yeah. <laughs> like I, when Panda was on this show, um, the reason why we had to move it a couple of hours was that he was actually running a semi-marathon with Pavel. So he told me, "Sorry, uh-huh. I, I can't do twelve. I have to. Uh, like, we we have to move yes. it to four because I'm I'm doing something with Pavel." Right, right. It, they, they were running. Just don't don't get any wrong ideas there, <laughs> guys. We've been we've been live for slightly longer than two hours, so I think we we have to kind of move a little bit faster. So, um, competitive Gwent. Um, that's something I briefly want to talk about. Have you have you watched the World Cup? Are you gonna watch the uh, cards for humanity today? Hmm. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly yeah. Situation. I mean, I I don't know. I I kind of dip into that stuff sometimes when I'm working or whatever. Uh, particularly when like like I think there was a couple of Bandit Gang members who were playing in a a tournament there. You know, the one with the multiple nations, the TA one. Yeah, the World Cup. Um. Yeah. So they were playing that, and I I, I checked the, those matches out specifically just because you know I was I was kind of having an best. Villa versus Molegian. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh. oh my god. That was that was nasty. Like Medijin just You know the, the the first play to reverse the coin flip? I already knew. Oh shit, here we go again. That was yeah, so nasty. 
have, have you guys seen it? Have you guys seen it? Uh, no, I. I so basically, uh, Molijin was playing a lockdown Nilfgaard versus mm-hmm. um, Syndicate, but I did, it wasn't hidden cash. It was it was blood money, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, Molijin went on blue. So what he did was he played Isbel, and then he played Mada. Um, Villa didn't have an answer. So basically, they were both at 10 points. Molijin had a tactical advantage and 11 points on the board, and Villa had to go first. So basically, he reversed the coin flip yeah, with yeah. 16 points to, to his name. Nice. <laughs> I mean, I, I've never thought of that. I've never thought of that because yeah, it's, it's the, the way I saw McBeard talking about Isabel during that ma- match was like people usually try to play her in a mill deck or maybe some sort of scumbag move as a, as a last play when you have the last side to get more cards of your, you know, to, to play in round three. But mm-hmm. this, I have, I've, I've never seen it before, and I, I, I'm not sure if Villa has ever seen it before. I, I, I didn't talk to him about it, but oh my goodness! Like, imagine going second, and then within two turns you are back at ten cards, and you have to go first. And your opponent, your opponent has sixteen points. It was wildcard, by the way, not a. Uh... Oh, it was wildcard. Okay. Yeah, but even so, like the the impact is the same. Yeah. Um... He lost that game, obviously. It... Isabel is definitely not a card you would see that early in a game. Not to not to mention that um, he got Savola from from Isabel. He got Villa's Savola, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Nasty. <laughs> yeah, and then and then um, I think um, when he played Vilgefortz, it it, uh, it it pulled some some sick card as well. So like overall, like Mulligan got all all all. all the things he needed out of Villa. That that was just nasty. And 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 McBeat said on Twitter it's probably the craziest game he's seen in a very long time. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that. But anyway, the reason why we um I'm I'm talking about these tournaments because is because uh Cards for Humanity, um the final Gwent portion of it starts today at 5 p.m. Uh, CST. It's gonna be casted by our friends uh McBeat and Flake. Who we know from the official tournaments, they they have great chemistry. They are great caster duo, greatest duo ever. Yeah, yeah. I I love watching them, and um, yeah, it's it's a charity event, and all the proceedings are gonna be um, donated towards um, um, various communities trying to to help others with the corona situation. Because as we know, not every community has the resources to properly deal with it so um it's a very noble goal it's like the, the the quality of the tournament is very high it's gonna be casted so i i really think everyone should watch or at least stop by at some point so um if you are interested guys i can only recommend going to twitch.tv slash 983 events uh giving them a follow so that you get notified whenever the tournament is live and it's gonna start at 5 p.m cst today so uh Really, guys, I can only encourage you to watch, at least stop by, and if you have any any money you can spend on this, I can I can I can only encourage you to do so because it's definitely worth every every penny. Yeah. Also, Mark, it's worth knowing that Mark is uh, is behind the 
the organization of this. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, and Mark Thies, we, we, we Tyler, the, he, was, he was a great, great member of the, the kind of streaming community for a long time, and he always had an aptitude for this kind of event type stuff. And and I know I know him pretty well. And him and Flake are just you know just very very close. So like he he's a really really an awesome guy, and he you know he goes to so he puts so much work in to organize these events. So you know just uh yeah just as Weissenberg said just even if you can spare a little bit just to to help out then you know like it, it it's just a small it's a small thing and it'll make such a huge difference. So um. Yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be shepherding all of my all my viewers later over there. So <laughs> yeah, you, you should definitely do it. Uh, we actually had some more qu questions or, or topics to discuss about competitive Gwent, but I think considering the time pressure, we are gonna move on to the personal Q and A. If you guys agree, uh, because technically, the idea behind this episode changed a couple of times. So initially, the the idea was that we were supposed to have TwitchCon in a couple of weeks. And Weevil was putting together a group for a meetup during the event. And uh, I thought, wow, that's that's a really nice idea. And I like the effort and I like the community aspect of it. So I, I thought Weevil should definitely be on this episode. And then sadly, because of the corona situation, the event is not going on. Nobody's coming to Amsterdam. Um, so we changed the theme to, uh, new teams on the block because Weevil is part of Team Bandit Gang and Trovnut is part of Team Elder Brat, Blah, El 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 Elder Brat, Elder, Elder Blah, yeah, we, we actually, we actually had this idea of, you know, Team Elder Gang. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Team Elder Blood, and the question I wanted to ask here is: um, Can you tell us more about the teams you are part of and and their origins? Because I'm I'm sure that not everyone who is in chat right now has heard of them. I mean, a lot of people on Twitch heard about uh, Band Gang because it's been around for mm -hmm. a few weeks and it has a significant number of streamers. So, um, yeah, guys, tell us something more about the teams you are you are part of. Do you start mm -hmm. evil or? Uh, yeah, sure. I'll go first. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm basically going to try and not like, I'm not, not going to try and say anything that is technically incorrect. But um, from the words of Banapig himself, uh, he said that the the kind of the purpose of the team initially, and which has obviously developed and expanded over time, is filling the neat what he calls filling the niche of meme content so like the types of decks that we would we would publish in articles and things wouldn't wouldn't necessarily be the most competitive but they wouldn't be completely you know targeted at casual players either so it's not like you can't take uh you know these decks into pro ladder and actually do okay with them it's just that they're not they're not optimized for like high pro pro ladder play um so that's in terms of content creation. We publish five days a week, various different types of things, videos, articles, and things like that, interviews. And we have various um, different types of personalities on our content creation team. So I, I, t I for example, I um, manage all the proofreading and editing for like a lot of the articles that come in because um, it's it's closely related to what I do in, in, in my job as well. Uh, but then there's other people who, you know, like BJ, who would like to do interviews with, uh, other content creators um and uh you know there's there's people who do youtube videos once a week and everyone kind of contributes you know bit by bit and one of the things i really want to emphasize with this team is that like 
purely either coincidentally or otherwise we all get on really really well like we're, we're just very very close-knit community um there's no pretense there's no drama there's no nonsense we all just we know what we want to do it's pretty chill most of the time as for the competitive side it's a relatively small group for now but i do feel that the the people who do represent the competitive sort of side of this team are are still they they play at a really really high level and they they meet regularly they go over footage they talk about stuff uh, even if there's something they could have done a little bit better in a particular match or for example so it it they're very very dedicated and uh, i i don't know like Ban- Banna Pig's precise plans about kind of recruitment and whether like he recruits like the system through which he recruits new new players and stuff but i i am i am assuming that competitive team will grow over time and the aim of the of 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 that of course is to play at the highest level in you know all the bigger tournaments um but for now as as a team that has effectively only existed i think since november i was one of the first people to join actually uh, and which was originally sort of seen as a bit of a meme in itself it wasn't even you know seen as something that serious it actually it's it's really really turned into something just like genuinely cool that i i, I want to be a part of and help out with and like even though I'm working a full-time job and there's not a huge, I, I wouldn't have time to commit to writing like articles and things, even though, as I say, I will be more than capable of doing so. I, I just talked to BJ and said like, well, what, what can I do? You know, I, I have the, these are the skills that I have. How can I help out? And everybody kind of feels the same way. Like nobody feels like they come in and say like, oh, there's nothing I can do here. So um, it's, it's, it's a nice, it's like, we want to get more reach ultimately and just, you know just expand the brand and stuff um but for now we're just we're we're actually just having fun with it we have a nice schedule we meet regularly um and um and what while at the same time we keep it you know we keep it pretty pretty chill so uh it's a nice it's a nice team to be in for sure yeah i i, I like the part where you said it started as a meme because i actually remember that it started as a tag on Baby Joseph's Discord, where Bandit Pig just added a new custom tag to his name, which was BG. And then at some point, he decided, you know, that the idea evolved enough for him to start an actual team. And as you said, it started as a meme, nobody was taking it seriously. But now, a few months later, you guys begin to be seen as an established brand. So I can, I can only say I'm really, really impressed by, by the effort um you know that that went into it not only bandit pick who who got the ball rolling but everyone who contributed yep you um, guys BJ you got there's an absolute workhorse like he dude just he's he does so like bandit pig and bj together drifting as well they just so so much behind the scenes that you don't even notice like the just the amount of like even talking about thumbnails for youtube videos there's a huge amount of discussion and design that goes into that all these little things that you think are trivial, like they, they just put so much time into it. So it's pretty it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm really impressed. And you guys got BJ to write articles. Like He's without... actually a very good writer. Yeah, I know, but without without Apart bashing... from lack of punctuation, which I have to correct on a regular basis. <laughs> um, if he's listening, I'm sure he'll he he knows. He knows. He knows his stream t- his stream t- he started with with stream titles, where his stream titles would be really long. And they'd be like three sentences, but it would only be one sentence because there's no, there'd be no commas or anything. Um, but 
other than that, he's actually improved a lot with his commas. I've tried to explain, you know, there's this thing called a comma. You need to use it sometimes. <laughs> but he's been always a good writer, and I, I'm trying to motivate him to, to write something for TRS, but I understand that he needed a proper environment to do it. And now that he's surrounded by friends, by people he's known for quite a few years within the community, he feels the urge to, to contribute in that way. So really happy for him to find a place like that and, and for you guys to have him on your team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, team, moving on to BJ. yeah, team team, team VJ. <laughs> moving <laughs> on to Elderblood because I have to say once again I was really impressed. I, as I told you yesterday, I visited your website. I thought new team, don't expect too much, and I was like, oh wow, this, this is something. This is not what I expected. Yeah, we really started off in in, in full force because um, we're we're a brand new team, a grand team. Um, that only started about a month ago. Um, and most of the group right now are new additions since the start. And the basic group that we started with uh, mainly came from um, like community events and tournaments, um, mainly like projects like the uh, My Esports website that uh, our, our team leader, Kiss and Run, started out with before. Um, that's how I rolled into the team as well. He asked me if I could, if he could. Uh, Published my content on his uh, on his website at that point, which was still relatively small at that point. But he was doing community events and stuff like that, community tournaments, uh, running all of that. And then about a month ago, we started working on the on on, on the team itself. Started looking for a proper name and etc. And that turned out to be Team Elderblood. And um, so around half our team right now is uh, from Poland. And the rest of the team is basically from all over. Um, and that's why, of course, our content is mainly in English. Um, and then I should definitely talk about our team leader, Kiss and Run, um, which is uh, spelled the same way that you would, uh, would just write it down. So it's nothing fancy about that. But he does an immense amount of work. He, he management, manages those custom tournaments, those community tournaments. He uh, is the driving force behind our, our very quick snapshot we even came up with. And we, uh, we actually just updated, uh, I think, two hours ago. So there's an update on that as well. Um, and we tried to just start, start to get going content-wise um, because I, I'm responsible for uh, a video maybe once every two weeks, every week if I have the time. Um, but that, I think... Team-wise, goes more towards the uh, the content that uh, Team Banner Gang also makes more uh, like thematic decks that kind of make sense lore-wise, but maybe not all competitive-wise. Um, mm -hmm. So try to try to make something something fun instead of really competitive. And of course, we also have a, a group of competitive players that are starting to uh, work their way up as well. Uh, we have uh, our first player that actually uh, can play in the qualifiers. Uh, for the season of the bear that was, I think, uh, Bart. Um, so we're starting to make make things work on that front as well, even though we're, we're just getting started. Um, and basically, yeah, since we're a really new team, our options are still open. So if you're interested in joining either the, the, the streamers, the content team, or the uh, competitive team, you can uh, contact Kiss and Run on, uh, on Discord or send them a, a direct message, and we can... Uh, He'll he'll deal with that from then on then, but it's it's it's, it's amazing how much he did because he's also the website. He made I think he made most of the the stuff on the website as well. 
starting from the My Esports website now to the Team Elderblood website, which is why it looks so nice as it already does. And uh, yeah, we'll continue to 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 make content. Uh, we're working on an interview series that we're every week and um and then a deck series as well aside from what i already do uh, also once every week so we're starting to get there cool. yeah and um as i said uh very impressive stuff especially the fact that you have uh, snapshots you know this early on like most teams would not feel very um comfortable making those especially as a new brand on the market and you guys just we just no. dove in. <laughs> yeah, it was like right off the bat, and I was, I was, I was surprised. I almost shocked. Like, what meta snapshots from Team Elderblood like this early? Damn! That, because there's a lot of work that goes into it. Mm -hmm. So that yeah, that's basically you have, to, you have to type out hidden cache like thirteen times. It's, it's not, <laughs> you know, <laughs> copy paste same deck list. You know, no, not really. but yeah, no. Here one yeah. hidden cache. Tier two. Hidden cash. <laughs> well, hidden basically, cash. basically, it's that five, five stars hidden cash, and then a half. <laughs> and then and he, he's cutting out because it doesn't matter anymore after hidden cash. Yeah, is it hidden cash? Hidden cash. Hidden cash. Yeah, very interesting story, guys. Um, we have once again we have more questions to ask about the teams, but. Once again, time pressure, two and a half hours already. So we have two personal questions, one for each one of you. And uh, we're going to go with them. So we will, because I've known you for, what, two years? Two years and some change, I think? Two and a half, two and a, half, two and a quarter, maybe. Yeah. And you are one of the very few streamers, if not the only streamer, who uh, sticked with Gwent uh, through thick and thin. Like I remember times where everyone's like, homecoming. Me and swim. Me and Swim kept going at one point. Yeah, there was there was two because, there was a two month period where it was just me and Swim and nobody else. <laughs> yeah, I, I I remember those times. It was it was like everyone was just abandoning the ship because for content creators that six month drought between beta and homecoming was something they were not ready to deal with. So a lot of people left around that time, and you kept going. And no. I remember telling you that this is crazy and the game is not fun and, and you should just move yeah, on. I, yeah, you, you, you definitely visited uh, many times to, to reiterate the and same thing. And you kept things. going and, and, <laughs> and you are still here. Oh yeah, of course. So, yeah. so I wanted to ask, uh, how do you look back at, at this journey as a Gwent content creator? Because two and a half years many different versions of the game, the official release, now the iOS and Android release, and you are still here making content six days a week. Yeah. Um, like, honestly, the, the, the journey can be divided into several parts. So, like, initially when I started streaming, I, like, unlike a lot of I didn't network, like, at first. So, because I was too shy, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I, uh, like, technically speaking... Like my my skills in like video editing, sound, and all these other things were just either lacking or non-existent. So, um, like, and I actually did it on a dare, believe it or not. So, a friend of mine had a YouTube channel for oh, it was to do with like, um, it was something to do with technology. Yeah, I don't remember exactly what it was. Yeah, and he showed it to me, and he's like, oh yeah, it's it's pretty easy to set up or whatever. And then I just I had just left a job, um, and had a fair amount of money saved up. 
and we we went on a, a New Year's Eve uh, trip down to Lisbon Varna in, in, in County Clare, which is like this really nice little the Cliffs of Moher there, which is like a famous landmark in Ireland. Um, and he we were we were in a pub and we were chatting, the only pub in the village, by the way. <laughs> uh, uh, that shows you how small it was. And he said, "Yeah, I dare you. I dare you to set up a Twitch channel for for a month and see what happens." Um, so I went on PC Specialist and I bought a full tower PC <laughs> with my buddy. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, it was like, oh, I'm I'm going for this. I'm gonna go all in." And like, and then it was completely disillusioned. Like when I started, because like I didn't actually, as as expected, I didn't get much going with it at all. And then I and. And then I saw these other people and I was like, well, my lighting sucks, right? So then I bought these like really hot yellow lamps and they were like awful because like they lit my face, but they also burned, burned me alive. Like, <laughs> so that, so like first six months was literally just me trying to figure out like, how the hell do I want this room to look, you know, never mind streaming the actual game. Um, in terms of the redevelopment period, it was. Yeah, it was really tough. Like most, like a lot of the time, I just, I just felt like not streaming at all. But somehow, I managed to drag myself back for at least you know two to three hours every day. Um, but then, like the next phase after Homecoming launch was was everything kind of changed, right? So, um, I. I like I I I traveled a lot more, so I, I took a, a famous trip to Boston, which I'm, I'm I won't discuss here, but which Weisenberg remembers quite well, uh, based on how how it how it ended and everything else. But I, I I did all sorts of crazy stuff. I grew a lot as a person, right? And then I came back from that a lot more grounded, and I was able to sort of look at my stream and this thing that I really enjoyed and transform it into something something a lot better. So I started networking more. I came out of my shell a lot more. I just like dropped into other people's streams and did more co-op uh, co co things. I went to TwitchCon in Berlin. Uh, that was last year, about a year ago, actually. Um, and yeah, it was, you know, it's it's been, obviously I haven't been like exploding in growth or anything like this, um, excluding the Christmas period, which was, uh, which was quite nice. But um, what I have been doing is just being more aware of, you know, the types of, types of little things that I, I can change. So, um, one one of the things I did mention about the the Bandit Gang thing is it, it, team is that we we value these what what we call minimal gains, which is just like like little little increments like improvements over time. And uh, for streaming, for me, it's always been focusing on the one percent. So there's even a tiny thing you can do to make the stream a little bit better for everybody. Um, then like you, you do that and you see you see the results. And um, but mostly for me, it's just it's almost like a form of therapy. I don't know how else to call it. Like, it's like, it's like a version of talk therapy, right? You, you sit in front of a camera and if you had, a, if you had a great day, you talk about that. If you had a crap day, you talk about that too, right? But people will just sort of listen. And then all the while you're moaning about him cash being OP, whatever. But you know, ultimately <laughs> it's just a space for you to be a version of yourself that is upbeat, confident, positive, whatever, sometimes not so positive. Uh, in the case of Weisenberg <laughs> with Nilfgaard and stuff, <laughs> but sometimes, but um, it's been hugely transformative for me as as a person. I I, I can't imagine uh, life without it now. Um, and incidentally, I did solve the lighting problem. I bought one of these Elgato key light things. Not I'm not I'm not sponsored by the way, <laughs> but uh, 
But you can, but find, it's, you, it's, but you can find the link in the chat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but it's actually solved all my problems because it's really, really low lighting and it's not warm and like and my face is, is probably probably looks reasonably okay, but um but yeah, Twitch has just it's changed my life for the better and Gwent in particular and um I have no plans to stop anytime soon. So that that that's it from me. Yeah, <laughs> and that's and that's quite a story. Like I've I've never really, I've never realized how much was into it, because as a viewer, you only see a certain part of Schumer's personality and his thought process. So now yeah. that you explain this in detail, it, it it gives me much more of an idea of what you went through and how the journey was progressing. You know, from from time I first met you two and a half years ago to where we are now. Yeah, I think it came along at just the right time. Um, like, I, I, as I said, like the job that I stopped, I hated. I hated that job. And I was like, I need a project, right? And I didn't even, I didn't even watch Twitch before this. That, that's, that, that's the funny part. I, I, didn't watch, I didn't watch Twitch for a single minute before I started streaming it. And then I didn't know anything about it. I, I, I knew it existed. I knew that Amazon owned it, et cetera, et cetera. But I didn't know much else. Um, whereas other people would network for six, five or six months, you know, like, like BJ did that, you know, and then he started streaming. Um, but I didn't do any of that. So I just sort of like jumped in and then, you know, so it was, it was crazy. Uh, like one week I was sitting in this environment in a pub chatting to my friend. And then next week I was like, like lifting this, you know, whatever, 20 kilo PC up my stairs into this new room and with this new desk and from ikea and like a new chair and like <laughs> i was like okay <laughs> oh god memories oh yeah like when when i do and when i look back at the early days of my streaming oh god don't remind me <laughs> but as i said this gives me a lot more insights on on, on how you develop as a streamer and as a person I think that yeah. we'd like to hear um, a similar story from our other guest, right, Hesser? Yeah, Trovnet. So tell us about your channel. I know that you used to stream as well a bit, but you're more into YouTube content right now, right? And yeah. it's not only about Gwent, but it's also about some other games, including my favorite genre, RPG. So tell us about that. So I've been making videos for now. I think I just had to check it yesterday to see how long. I've been five years, big, big reality check. Um, but I've always been playing just mainly single player games um, on YouTube as a sort of let's play style series. Uh, and always try to do what I love to play. And, and, and it started from there. Very humble beginnings, no uh, networking, like, like Weevil says, is uh, just trying to do my own thing and seeing where that goes. Um, and then I just really liked it. Like my my feelings toward making content is, is similar to what Weevil said. It's it's really like almost like therapy, like free therapy, where you just put your mind to something and just keep doing that because of you. Even though my my audience is 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 small, has always been small, and will probably stay pretty small unless, of course, this blows up. Um, but at a certain point, I started <laughs> on, on a very on a very big project, uh, and I was doing a, a full playthrough of The Witcher Three. 
Uh, and that's when everything started growing a little bit more. Um, I got really into the game. I, I, I started spending a lot more time on making those videos work and trying to advertise them a little bit. And that eventually a year and a half later ended out as a 200 part series where I did basically every <laughs> wow. single quest in The Witcher 3 and Hearts Jeez. of Stone and Blood and Wine. Uh, so that was a humongous, humongous project if I, if I look back on that. And that's where most of my audience right now still comes from, I think, um, from the people who found my Witcher series and then just started looking at my other stuff. Um, then after The Witcher 3, that was a, a, around the time that Gwenten came out in, in beta. Um, really, really enjoyed it. And then I started to think that maybe I can do just opinion pieces about specific cards, talking about card, the cards specifically, or some fun decks I was playing around with. And that's where the, the Gwent Edge series started off with. Um, and then I just did that sporadically when I had the time, because it's a, a lot more effort to make those videos than just the, the normal Let's Play series. There's a lot more editing involved. There's a, a script involved gathering uh, enough enough content to to actually use in, in the video itself, playing a lot of matches to see what works and what doesn't. Um, then getting the script ready, doing the voiceover, that all time, which is why the Gwent videos usually air in the, in the over the weekend, because I have a little, more, a little bit more time to do that. Um, and then because of those videos, Kiss and Run contacted me to uh, if he could um, publish my videos on his website as well. And that's how the ball got rolling into Team Elderblood. Right. Um, the reason why I don't really stream is more of a, a health reason. It's going okay right now, but I have a lot of allergies. So I, I try to, to stream if I can now, now more, more the, in the last few weeks than before. Um, but I've always felt uncomfortable to do that because I have a lot of allergies, so a lot of issues breathing sometimes, sneezing, coughing, and stuff like that, which is yeah. definitely not always. Like, all... Coronavirus. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everyone. Uh, and that's what made me really uncomfortable to, to start doing streams, but it's going better. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a, a sort of a, a personal therapy to get rid of most of those uh, uh, allergies. Because it's uh, I I have something what's called a pull a pulley allergy, which is basically I'm allergic to like half a dozen uh, types of trees, grass, fungus, yeah. uh, and and basically every <laughs> mammal known to man, <laughs> including humans. Uh, instead of humans, yeah, basically yeah, cats, dogs, uh, horses, and stuff like that. Um, but I kind of got got through that okay eventually. So now I'm trying experimenting with talking more to people like we're doing right now and doing more streams uh i mean if you just keep keep horses out of your stream room it should be <laughs> roach comes jumping through the window yeah it glitches into you into the room um but basically i'm trying to do more uh special things in quent I, I did a video a while back about the the details you can find in the artwork quent um aside from just doing deck guides as well uh or just doing opinion pieces like um the last video I did was about Journey specifically. The one before that was just talking about the, the pros and cons of Nilfgaard. Uh, and I did a really extensive one where I talked about the White Orchard in the Witcher and how it's basically the perfect introduction to any game ever and how it handles that on a technical front. Mm. Um, and those, those are the videos I really like doing. But then again, it's also the videos where 
you, you take about 10 to 15 hours to make make everything uh, work together for what basically amounts to a 10 or 20 minute video. Um, but it's really cool to have the, the feeling of accomplishment from, from making those videos is a lot better than the, the Let's Play series. I still like doing that as well. Um, which bring me, brings me back to what's uh, something what Weevil said before, that I, I, I'll try to focus on games where the experience is specific to the, the, the player at that point. So like for now, I'm, I'm, I'm playing XCOM, which is always randomly generated. Every, everything that happens in my missions will not have happened in, in, in anybody else's mm -hmm. playthrough. Because yeah. um, you, you definitely see that that pulls a, a more of an audience than, than just playing, for example, Uncharted or The Last of Us or something like that. Yeah, there's games that are more streamable than others, basically. Yeah. Um, the, the one I'm streaming right now is Assassin's Creed. I, I feel like I can get that game is so humongous that I still don't understand how the developers even managed to pull that together. <laughs> uh, so I, I'll definitely play stuff that other people must have not seen at that point. So, But other than that, yeah, we're still uh, very slowly growing. One right, subscriber at a time. <laughs> and how do you how do you see the future of your of your channel? Are you gonna let's say the variety streamer more of or move into something like more like one sided specific? Yeah, I'm trying to to gauge how much I can get away with because because I'm a variety kind of shift on the fly since my audience isn't also that that big. Yeah. But I really like doing those those analysis videos. Um, which is where I want to start putting more work in. Um, but again, yeah, you need the time for it. And then, of course, that has an impact on your release schedule. Um, so for now, I'm trying to limit um, my different series to at maximum three at the same time, because otherwise I'm trying. I, I always have the, the feeling I want to do lots <laughs> of different things at the same time, and that never works. Uh, so now I'm just doing XCOM, uh, Fallout, and then Resident Evil is a, uh, a series we do with uh, two of my friends as well, where we uh, try, try to swap controllers every 20 minutes and then watch the mayhem happen when we don't remember the controls anymore. <laughs> uh, that's more of, a, more of a comical series. And then, of course, the Gwent videos where I try to uh, put as much effort in as possible. Uh, and I still have plenty of ideas moving forward to uh, make special one-off videos. I have uh, the script ready for another uh, video to talk about things you might have missed in Gwent art, um, part two, which should also be uh, hopefully interesting to a lot of people. Because uh, that's yeah, there's like characters goal. in the background and stuff that yeah. like, like Geralt <laughs> is in the background of a lot of, or a few of the cards, like those new, um, the six power ones that spawned the, the treasure or whatever. Like obviously, you can, so that's not, Mm -hmm. But like he's in a lot of things. He's in Slice of Darkness one as well. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> where's Geralt? It's like where's Waldo? <laughs> it's the same with Siri, right? Yeah, Siri. Siri. You can see Siri. That's one of Siri in the background. Johnny card, because that's basically a scene that you, if you played Witcher Three, Johnny tells Geralt, "Hey, I saw Siri running around the forest here." But you never actually get to see that scene, and the Johnny card actually shows him shitting, <laughs> shitting in the bog, and and Siri running running around in the background. But you need to. He's not shitting in a bog. He is defecating 
to the, the sunrise. sunrise. To the sunshine. Down, <laughs> down, downright glorious. That's what he says. Downright glorious. <laughs> <laughs> um, but mainly my goal with those videos is I try to inform people on things they might not have noticed in the first place. And that's what the accomplishment comes comes in. The the really good feeling that you you've you've taught somebody else something they haven't noticed before. Yeah, I would say the first accomplishment is that you actually spotted this. Because yeah. sometimes these things are quite obvious. But I, I I had a moment like this myself and I was excited and ashamed at the same time because I I played The Witcher 2 six times, I think. And then mm -hmm. some time ago, I was um, I was looking at the Shillard card, and I was like, "Wait, that's Asira in the background. She's being murdered mm -hmm. by 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 Reynwald. How the fuck didn't I see it before? <laughs> like I've been and playing this game for so long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I I feel like the, the sense of pride. I found it, but on the other hand, I played The Witcher <laughs> 2 so many times. I'm I'm just really dumb. So, uh, but I've I've been enjoying those videos of yours, and I've I've, I've seen a couple of those where when you, you are playing with uh, with friends, and you know to mm -hmm. see your reactions to what happened on the screen that's that's, that's quite hilarious. Mm -hmm. So yeah, really, um, guys, um, I'm I'm really happy to have you here on the show today, because I think I think we are slowly moving uh, to the part where you are supposed to sell out your content as as. As much as you can. Um, so be before we, we say our farewell, guys, um, where can our viewers find you if they feel the inner urge to do so? And I think we're going to start with uh, Weevil because I, I feel like he has something very inspiring to say. Right. <laughs> what makes you say? The, the cheeky grin on my face? Yeah, yeah, oh, exactly. Um, Not really. See, like, I, I don't... Like I don't have a I had a I have a YouTube channel, but I don't I don't just because I think streaming and YouTube at the same time is it at least for me personally it's too, it's too much right now and with a full time job on top of that like I just I can't do it all I would love to but I can't but um but anyways yes the main platform I'm I'm active on is obviously Twitch uh I stream currently working from home and stuff I have the opportunity to to go live a little bit earlier and stuff so I stream six sometimes seven days a week actually I. I um I took my first break yesterday and first time in three weeks. So uh yeah, normally three or four hours at a time and I focus mostly on Gwent, I'd say about ninety percent of the time, but also I have been playing a bit of FF seven remake as well. Um, you know, there's a bit of a love triangle in that game, so I kinda I'm kinda curious to see where it ends. <laughs> It's basically a it's basically a Final Fantasy harem edition because like Cloud is just like gathering a harem of, of people. But anyways, <laughs> twitch.tv slash weevil89. <laughs> um you can find me there. And I used to be the only Irish Gwen streamer, but there's now two. But uh I'm the handsome one, so you know. <laughs> there you go. That shameless plug complete. <laughs> No, no, yeah. no uh, triple siege uh, comments. I, th oh, I think you eulogies. you wrote the poem uh, that you were supposed to read. A, I, I had an ode. Uh, it's an ode, actually. Oh. If you must know. <laughs> uh, let me just let me just find it. I wasn't expecting. Uh, yeah, it's it's part uh, of your closing statement, so feel free to to read it to right, our audience. I'll read it. I'll read a segment, right? So I I, I created a series of commandments related to triple siege. Um, 
So commandment number one, thou, thou shalt not pass in round two. <laughs> um, number two, thou shalt not play any round without first thinking, is it possible to draw siege this round? <laughs> if the siege has not been bestowed upon you, do whatever you have to, including and especially using your leader, even on blue, to obtain it. <laughs> uh, siege is love, siege is life. Be as greedy as possible. Always assume the opponent is tilted and emote regularly. <laughs> <laughs> When facing Yennefer's deadly invocations, get the Ethereum merchant to bribe her, and all will be well. <laughs> um, yeah, this, uh, in fairness, I really miss it. Uh, so, to those who who took up the mantle of Triple Siege, you know, I'd like to say thank you. Um, you made a great difference to the world we live in, you know, and to my life and my happiness. And uh, I think, in some small way, that the the Church of Siege, you know, will live on in all of our hearts. Um, and and if Semper is still in the chat, uh, I, I I do apologize for completely thrashing him with, with Triple Siege that one time, right? <laughs> um, I had a perfect hand in fairness, it, 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 and in ninety nine other games, it probably wouldn't have gone that way, but uh, I was blessed blessed with the the power of the Triple Siege. So, anyways, I'm sure if BJ was here, he'd also have a comment on it, but I'm gonna miss it. So yeah. That, that that's about it. <laughs> Red triple siege. I think the salt res the salt reserves were uh, increased a lot during the triple siege. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, thanks, Wevo. That that, that that was a really nice list of commandments related to triple siege that is no longer with us, luckily. Uh, Trovnat, <laughs> it's now your time to shine and to Hi. sell out. <laughs> Okay, shameless plug. Um, you can find me on YouTube that's at uh, youtube.com slash plays. That's uh, T-R-O-V-N-U-T. Uh, the V is because my name is Vincent, which was also why I selected the card for this, uh, this thumbnail, because we share the same first name. Um, if you're wondering why the name is so hard to pronounce, so that's Trovinut. Um, and I do regular uh, videos every week. Uh, usually the schedule right now is um, an XCOM 2 video where we're doing the Valkyrie challenge, which is a, a self-imposed challenge where I only deploy female soldiers. And every time I get a male soldier, <laughs> I say, get the fuck out. Um, wow. and I just dismiss him immediately. Uh, and that's going on strong. And that's two episodes every week. So on Tuesday and on Friday. Um, and then on uh, Thursdays, I'm doing Fallout for Survival. Uh, and then Saturday is usually preserved for Gwent, which is today replaced with the uh, the podcast of today. And then on Sundays, we're doing group therapy, which we talked about before, is the uh, series where me and two of my friends play uh, horror games, where you can see us scream and shout about basically everything. Uh, but right now, basically Mr. X and Resident Evil 2. So um, if you like any of that, you can check out my channel. Uh, come say hi. We can uh, talk about anything you want. As long as it's game related. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. Uh, Hesser. All right. I didn't really want to advertise my own stream, but I didn't, you know, stream a lot recently. But, you know, if you want to come up to the Hesser stream or AKA Hesser Whorehouse, as Weisenberg calls it, you can, you are really <laughs> welcome. Uh, we are just having fun with Gwent, some other games sometimes. Um, I think I'm going to, you know, move into more. Uh, variety streaming in the nearest future so as long as i have time i'll be there for you and whenever you just want to have some fun and talk about anything come on 
I'll be waiting. Okay, um, thanks guys. I'm not gonna advertise my own stream because you guys are already here. So I'm gonna use this opportunity to remind you that if you wanna stay in touch also off stream, you can follow us at Nograph Podcast on Twitter. And that this episode is gonna be uploaded onto YouTube, Spotify, and a couple of other platforms in the next couple of hours. With that being said, uh, we will Trovinat. I, I keep saying Trovnat and it's Trovinat. Not a problem. I chose that name and it's <laughs> it's gonna stick with me. <laughs> and Hesser, <laughs> thank you guys for being here. Really, really appreciate it. I think it's by far the longest episode we've ever done. <laughs> and I really hope to have you guys on this show again in the future. Definitely. And thank you um, for to our viewers, yeah. if you are not aware, this is the last episode of season two of Merchants of Novigrad. We are not going anywhere. Season 3 is going to start in the near future, probably a couple of weeks, maybe a bit longer. We are already talking to a couple of people regarding their possible appearance on the podcast. But uh, for now, it is all. I would like to remind you that uh, the Cards for Humanity event is going to start in about two hours. Two it's going to be... Yeah. Uh, it's going to be... It is organized by Mark Theus and it's going to be casted by Mac Beard and Flake. So I highly encourage you to check it out. And if you have um, some spares to donate towards the noble goal of helping communities in need during the time of crisis. So once again, everyone, thanks for being here. Chat, thanks for interacting with us today. Thanks for talking to us and listening to the podcast. We'll see you guys later. We are obviously going to rate somebody in a couple of minutes, but uh, that's up to our guests. So once again, thanks for being here. We'll see you guys later goodbye bye bye guys thank you